because I'm very aware of, for girls and women, how with every time we make progress, we also often hold ourselves up to another different unattainable ideal that's like, oh, we just moved the, we just moved the bar. It was over here and now it's over there. And I think um, something that was really important to me and that, that Gloria played by America Ferrara really articulates is this like, there's no way to do it right. And I think I, I sense that there's now for, for a lot of girls and not just girls, for boys too, this sense of like, you have to be so extraordinary all the time, and it's almost like that's how you earn your right to, to be somewhere. And I, I, I feel like it, I want to give people, and, and girls, but people, a sense of like, you're okay and you have value just as you are. Maybe you can Hello, welcome to the extra credits of Barbie. I'm Trey. And I'm Kelsey. We are back. We are done talking about Christopher Nolan. We are done (laughs) talking about the duality of man. We are now talking about the duality of Barbie dolls. Barbie and Ken. (laughs) I am really excited to talk about Barbie today, and I'm excited to take a break from our guy, Nolan. That's true. Yeah, I I feel like... We unexpectedly did three podcasts on on Nolan. We did mm-hmm. the draft with Raiders of the Lost Pod. Mm-hmm. We did a, just a, a pop up Dark Knight. Yeah. it's almost ten random hours spontaneous one with James. Content. Yeah, and then now we uh, are obviously we did Oppenheimer. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I am excited to talk about Barbie, the kind of the second half, the sister to Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um, as people Truly. are talking about it in in their minds, I. I'm We've genuinely, been waiting to talk about this for so long. Yeah. I'm genuinely curious, though, like who went to see it on the same day, because I feel like that would be a whole experience. We didn't do that. Even we didn't we, do that, did we? We planned on doing it, but we got an early screening of Barbie. Barbie, yeah. So we saw Barbie a long time ago, and we haven't talked about it. Like, yeah. me and you have not talked about it, and I just want to talk to you about <laughs> Barbie. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah, I um, mean, I feel like, well, we saw it twice, and we did we did mention some things that worked or didn't work, but yeah, we didn't really get into it. I guess you saw it a third time. I, I did see it more recently a third time, so it's a lot, it's just a lot more fresh in my mind, I yeah. think, than you, but, um, so I can't wait to, like, watch you rediscover it today. Um, but before we get into Barbie, um, and Greta Gerwig and, and everything, just the whole event that is Barbie. I just want to let listeners know if you did not listen to Oppenheimer already, um, just know that pods are still coming. We've had a lot of change in our lives. We moved across the country to Colorado is the new home of the extra credit. So uh, a lot of change in our life, a lot of Busy times, uh, unpacking boxes, unpacking movies, okay? <laughs> and our severely delayed mailbag is still coming. Thank you again for sending in your awesome questions. Yeah. Theater camp, also to come. Confirmed. Yes. Theater camp podcast is coming. We've already started prepping for it. Like, I am so excited to just like throw on the mics and talk about a movie in an uncomplicated way and just be like this. Movie I just love rocks. this movie. Yeah. yeah uh, especially as teachers. I think like I had a special relationship to, to that movie and just a really fun theater experience. Um, if you, if it is still in theaters near you, yeah. please go see it with a, a packed theater if you can, because it was a really fun time at the movies. Um, and then there was also more pods to come. Of course, um, if you don't follow us on Letterboxd or 
Insta or Twitter, you can, so you'll know what's coming up. Follow us in the description. Also, just want to mention, because we said on Oppenheimer, but I want to repeat, because not everybody's a Christopher Nolan fan, so maybe you, this is the first time you're listening to us in a month. <laughs> Hello. Uh, Kelsey is starting her PhD soon. Congratulations. Thank you. And congratulations to Trey. He is starting his new teaching job. I am very busy right now. Yes. yes. Uh, it's the start of the school year. Starts early here in Colorado. We would have yeah. had a couple more weeks in Virginia, <laughs> so true. it hasn't been much of a summer, to be yeah. honest. So this is going to be a... A lots really of busy driving. August. Yeah, lots yeah. of sweating. Oh, yeah. All right, let's talk about Barbie. Let's. We're going to talk about our thoughts on the film, the themes, the production, our relationship to Greta Gerwig, a little bit of Noah Baumbach A little in bit there. of Baumbach, a um, little bit of Ken. Yeah, some of our overall feelings, maybe conflicting feelings about like the IP-ness of Barbie yeah. and the idea of Barbie. Is um, it a feminist text? Is it a corporate vehicle? Like, yeah. We're definitely going to talk about that. Right. Um, and then just the fact that Greta Gerwig is the first woman to hit $1 billion at the box office with Barbie, like for the first live action movie. And people she are did it. going to see this movie. It's so cool. It's such an event. It's really fun for movies, but just... I, it feels really special in general. So it's a monoculture again yeah. about movies. And that's pretty insane. I mean, the marketing is just crazy on this movie. People showed up, yeah. they bought costumes. They're seeing it a second or third time. It really is. We haven't seen anything. Yeah. It's like, like you want to see it with time. a friend. Yeah. yeah and, and a different, different friend. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's do Keep it. Let's do it. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. You can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday and so is tomorrow and every day from now until forever. Do you guys ever think about dying? You know what I loved about the Barbie trailer? Mm. I just knew nothing about the movie. Me too. But still was so interested and it was so satisfying to see like elements of Barbie world and, and the clapping that yeah. was synced up with the music. Yeah. The baby doll, even though we saw it in the movie as well, but like the baby doll being thrown up and then twirling into the Barbie logo. Yeah, the Space Odyssey homage. Yeah, yes. I, that was really well done uh, in the trailer. And I was a little bit worried that when we saw it in the movie that it wouldn't hit as hard, but it still works. Yeah. It yeah. feels like everyone in the theater really is, you know, bought into the movie at that point. Yeah. And I also, so I think there was another trailer that came out, um, with the Ken, uh, him singing, like not the full dream ballet that we will talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, there was like, a, I think, uh, one people can let me know, but with Ryan Gosling singing like the beginning of I'm just Ken, mm -hmm. I never saw that. I did not realized that this was going to be a comedy. I didn't think I it would genuinely be, didn't know. <laughs> I didn't think it would be this like slapsticky with humor. Like, yeah. I didn't think I'd see Ryan Gosling get hit and then fly like flying <laughs> like through the air. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I just didn't think that the wave would a fake wave would hit Ryan Gosling. He would fly across a he beach. Hit like, that wave. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> it's just it's just crazy to me that we saw something like that in this movie. I did not think it was going to be like that at all. Yeah. So I think that like, I just wanted to say that about the trailer because I also think they did a great job marketing this movie, obviously, but... It's a weird thing to say, but they did. Yeah, but... And it's been so much fun to see people, like, dress up in pink um, and yeah. and go out. Like, I just see people, it, it, like, in restaurants around movie theaters where we are, and I'm like, they're 
going to see a movie yeah. and they're going to love it together. Like, yes. um, there are a lot of people who walked into our Oppenheimer screaming screening when we were singing in IMAX and they, I think there was just a mix up or something. Cause it was a huge theater, um, in the city, but they were like, is this Barbie? As <laughs> like, no, it's you're going to literally love the Barbie. opposite of Barbie. Yeah. And then there was just a feeling also like in the, um, the bathroom of the movies, um, I was telling Kira when we got out our friend who we went to see it with that it felt like a, um, a like bar bathroom. I can't explain. Like it just felt like the energy was yeah. so great. Like very supportive. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like I, it was just so fun to like feel like the movie theater was alive. But I'm glad that that is what your bar bathroom experience is for a woman <laughs> because for men, it's like just it's awkward jokes between space. urinals. Not, oh. not a very, no, no. Like, no. I'd rather just look at the wall. No, I'd like the experience in a, a bathroom at a bar usually is like a very beautiful one of support. Um, okay. And, and I felt that after Barbie in the movie theater bathroom and just in general, you can tell people are coming to the movies. Yeah. I want to talk a, a little bit about, our relationship to Greta Gerwig though, because this movie in some ways is really shocking uh, to see from her Noah Baumbach, but also makes a lot of sense. Like with different questions that she's been asking in her movies, both that she's co-written with Noah, but also that she's written and directed alone. Yeah. So um, Greta, right. Is, is known as an actor and, and a writer, maybe most known like before for co-writing Francis Ha and Mistress America. Incredible movies. Right. And, and then more recently, I think known as maybe like an indie yet mainstream name in movies for so writing. Quickly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. For writing and directing Lady Bird in 2017 and then Little Woman in 2019 a huge like a holiday movie um both oscar nominations and winners in certain categories yeah and now barbie right which she co-wrote with her partner noah bomback and directed um and so how would you describe what greta's movies are about like what are the themes that gerwig kind of returns to it's kind of hard to separate obviously like the, the noah and greta of it because they they are interested in similar things like you can tell in their work. But I know, I know like she is definitely someone who's known for telling stories about young women, right? Like, um, woman at the center Mm -hmm. and possibly like existential journeys. Um, yeah, I think coming of age journeys, but how, how would you describe what she like is interested in, in her her films? I think in a lot of ways she's turning into like white woman, Steven Spielberg. And I mean that in the best way possible because obviously Steven Spielberg is like, incredibly important and iconic and I think she's becoming that and I think that the demographic that she's speaking to is seems to be her background as well which is like a suburban white middle class background and I think that is commercially smart and also probably artistically uh, a good idea to stick to what she knows and I think she often writes about what you're saying this kind of like chaotic existential experience of being self-aware and being grateful and guilty at the same time for yeah. like privilege and uh in different arenas of life and I, I really like her work i like it a lot i think her movies are um are very successful about both kind of critiquing that experience of living in that background that middle class background while also kind of making people feel like validated in that background which is interesting yeah. i think her movies like what you said are probably too optimistic for me personally a lot like spielberg's movies but i I don't think that matters because I think what she's doing to explore the like indifferent average American identity is just really smart. Even if I like 
sometimes I personally cringe at like how interested her movies are in the human experience of like being lost. Yeah. Um, there seems to be like, I mean, just for like our taste, like, you know, listeners know what kind of movies we love. And yeah. like, I think maybe being too charitable towards yes. like the characters that are in this like suburban restlessness, like dreams of a big city. It feels like, um, sometimes it, yeah, I think cringe is maybe the right word. She's very sympathetic to her characters, which you yeah, appreciate, but, but at the same time. It's, but yeah, I, I definitely appreciate it because it's like, it, you can tell that she's a very loving person. Like anytime mm-hmm. I hear her or I watch her in an interview, I just think like, she just seems so nice. Like, um, genuinely like seems a cool, like the, the, one of the coolest, a cool person. And Hollywood. when I, when I, uh, see a lot of like men who are filmmakers, I sometimes I'm like, Oh wow, they seem like a nice person. But there is also this like uh Kennergy attached to some t- <laughs> like them talking about their movies. And I genuinely Absolutely. feel like uh Greta, you know, is just so interested in the work and you can just tell. And so she just seems like such a cool person. Yes. Um, so I, I don't want to be like harsh about her work either. Um, there's almost like or, no front or con- yeah, like, yeah, there's nothing, exactly. there's nothing like, like covering her. She feels raw in the best way possible. Yeah, exactly. So, I, so when I say like, she feels loving towards her characters, I don't mean it in a way where I think she's doing it, um, in a way that's not like deserved. Maybe mm-hmm. I just like, don't, I, I want to see maybe a little bit more of like the self-reflection that happens. And I think she, she does do that. Right. Like especially there are definitely with, moments. Yeah. yeah like Francis Francis Haw Haw, Haw, moments, exactly. Yeah. Lady bird. Right. Like, yeah. um, her being like just a jerk to her mom. Like, th- you know, those kind of things are being like a, a kid, like, yeah. uh, lying about the grade that she <laughs> got on her <laughs> math test. <laughs> No, so, I'm pretty sure it was a B. Yeah. And he, what does he say? He's like, okay, it's like your integrity. Or yes. Something. Yeah, yeah. She's like, okay. You know, um, <laughs> but so I, like those things, there's obviously a self-awareness. I think um, I, the optimism is probably what I ultimately am like, I don't, they're not my favorite movies ever, but I still really love her movies and I appreciate what she's trying to do, especially like yeah. um, incorporating, you know, a speech about the contradictions of like what women experience. And again, often like white women um, at the center of her stories, but uh, just, just that kind of like speech that she has as a hallmark of all of her work um, is cool. There's no one else really doing that right now. Yeah. And I think thematically she's also doing things that are fascinating. I I believe she was a philosophy major in college. Yeah. She went to Bernard, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in philosophy, yeah. And then Kate McKinnon went to Columbia. Right. They were roommates. Roommates. Yeah. When you told me that, it blew my mind. Uh, wow, that's crazy. And also, I learned about um, some of Greta's background, too. She applied to NYU, mm-hmm. Yale, and Juilliard for to be a playwright and got rejected. And They're regretting it. Yeah, they're <laughs> regretting it. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say thematically, I think maybe she doesn't get enough credit because I think a lot of people attach like mumblecore generation to yeah. her. They attach kind of like a like manic pixie dream girl deconstructions to her, but she's doing a lot more heady things in her movies. If you really sit down with them and like try to paint a through line, I think she's really interested in time and cycles. Um, ironically, which is what we said Christopher Nolan is interested (laughs) in. Uh, But Gerwig is more interested in like individuals and individuality and the impact of generational trauma and successes on younger generations, obviously specifically for women and, and their personal journeys and how women's obstacles in their lives can sometimes between generations like intersect yeah. in meaningful ways. She's definitely interested in mother daughter stories. 
Yeah, and I think that as a through line is really clear for her characters and just the themes of her movies. Uh, very like very clear after Barbie. It's like all of her movies seem fascinated by this idea that uh, women share a large role in providing a map for future generations of young girls. Like that seems like something she's heavily invested in. Mm-hmm. And she's talked about this more openly now as like a, a mother of, of a few children. And now she just turned 40 recently. Happy birthday, Greta Gerwig. Uh, and I... I guess I just really respect these kind of like complex, difficult ideas and questions and responsibilities that she feels like she has at the core of her movies, like by trying to give um, woman an opportunity to paint a map uh, to do more in the world for little girls. I think that's like just so cool. We don't see that in big blockbuster movies ever yeah. because women don't get that opportunity. Yeah. So when one of the few women who have been given these opportunities and we'll get to some others um, like last year, Gina Prince Bythewood who killed it with the woman King yeah. who made an epic that almost no one saw. Yeah. It, I think it only made back its budget after marketing, which That's is wild. In it was such insane. a good movie. It was like also what like people love um, yeah. in epics and yeah. like historical epics. And it had like the heart, the action, so a historical argument, which yeah. was interesting. I, I think that when we dove into what worked and what didn't work, and also we dove into like the history of that film, if people are interested to go back and listen to that podcast, we had producer Kathy Schulman, Oscar winner, Kathy Schulman, who was really nice to come on the show and talk to us about the woman King. Um, so what, the, what I meant by mentioning Gina Prince Bythewood is that we already have filmmakers who can make big blockbusters that are speaking to multiple different identities that are unrepresented mm-hmm. in Hollywood, but often they're not, uh, no one goes to see them. And that has been like a major issue. And so the fact that Greta was able to do this with Barbie, obviously the white woman audience is a big reason why that's happening. Well, and also like her stories uh, and Noah Baumbach stories, like there's something that feels very white about them. Like, well, yes. And we'll talk about that today, but there's also something universal in the sense of like her trying to find this like thoughtful and uh, non-threatening way to kind of get people to feel seen in the theater. And I think it's admirable how seriously she takes like that artistic and human responsibility of making movies by trying to make sure that people feel seen rather than interrogated in films. And I think we both, maybe me more so, but I think we both like being interrogated in our movies. Yeah, I think so. I think there um, is an element of also, I don't really know anyone um, like her characters and obviously they're heightened for a reason like her and Noah and both their movies are really interested in kind of exploring what people uh, kind of go through um, behind the, closed doors, like anxiety that people feel. And, yes. they, and then they, they make that kind of feeling into a character mm-hmm. um, and include things from everyday life. Like Noah Baumbach, we, we did a whole episode on his um, films, but yeah, we did a ranking. Yeah. He is known for writing down things that he just hears in everyday life and incorporating them into his movies. And so there's this like aspect of like, Oh, like I do that, you know, like uh, that, yes. uh, that idea Larry David of <laughs> I've, yeah, I've, I have felt that, or I have seen that. Um, and I've never verbalized it or really talked to anyone about it. Cause why would I think to talk to someone about it? Um, but it, yeah, but it's, they, uh, materialize it in a really like sometimes strange way. Um, but well, definitely always say, a they're both way. weirdos. Yeah. And I do think that that we, people should say that more often. I think about Greta Gerwig. It's yeah, just that in word. A, it, um, I think respectfully weirdos. Yeah, yeah. In the most loving way. I mean, I'm saying that as a weirdo yeah. myself and like, <laughs> and, and when you listen to Greta talk about in any of these Barbie 
interviews, she's like very self-aware. She's hyper intelligent, incredibly kind, witty, has like a genuine passion for making, like what I said earlier, unrepresented people feel seen in films in authentic ways. And I think the fact that she was able to bring this like empathetic passion to a studio, like a corporate machine and make a blockbuster like Barbie uh, is surprising. But at the same time, if you've kept up with her work like we have, it seemed like it was also inevitable for her career arc um, because she's just been so ambitious and like openly ambitious and that, which is also a through line of her movies and all of her characters are like very ambitious. So I, I'm just like weirdly, the, the word isn't like proud, but I'm like happily just like sitting back and being like, she did it. Yeah. Like she's like, she is now at another level of filmmaking that we just, we rarely see. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting that you say the word pride because there is like some sort of, um, feeling that you have for like, yes, like this filmmaker did this huge thing because, uh, I maybe, I don't know if this is true, but I have to assume it is. If it made $1 billion, is this the first time a lot of people are seeing a Greta Gerwig film? You know what I mean? Interesting. Uh, Like, um, I guess so. I I mean, I know a lot of people did see little woman, um, a lot of money, but yeah, there's this, like, there's this aspect of like, that's so cool that she was able to to really um, capture the same kind of questions that she is interested in in her work when she's doing independent films, but mm-hmm. then blow them up to a huge budget and IP size film. And also the fact that like Mattel so obviously doesn't want to call Barbie a feminist movie because they're, yeah. they're a corporation, but also Greta Gerwig is like calling this a feminist movie, which yeah. we can talk about, you know, if it actually is a feminist text right. or not. Yeah. And like, can you be one in this level of like, playing in corporations, but like mm-hmm. that aside, that question aside, it's just interesting to see this kind of like subtle fight between the the corporate responsibility to speak to all the shareholders, regardless of politics yeah. or social views. And then also Greta Gerwig, who is like a, an indie born filmmaker who is now like having the opportunity to make a big budget movie and being like, no, my sensibilities still matter. And like my philosophies on the world still matter. And I'm going to say it to people publicly. Yeah. Well, it was really interesting. Like you can tell the whole cast really like genuinely loves Greta. Like not, not just where it's like, Oh, like I look up to them. They're like so brilliant, but like literally loves her as a a person too. Ryan Gosling seems like such a cool hang. Legitimately seems changed from his experience (laughs) with Greta Gerwig. Like something happened to him with gray man and he didn't work between first man and gray man. And now he just seems like a completely different person in the best way possible. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely want to talk about the press tour with everyone. This is the only movie I've really watched, uh, like cast interviews. I mm-hmm. usually only watch creatives, um, talk about the movie, like writers, directors, um, people who are on the crew, but this yeah. is the first one I watched with that. And just getting back to the kind of idea of, uh, Mattel making this movie, the conflict of like calling it a feminist movie, um, Margot and Greta were doing an interview together and they like seem like they really have a good relationship, obviously like, you know, for press, like everyone asks, acts like buddy, buddy, but, yeah. um, they were asked a question like, is this movie feminist? And Margot's first reaction, she is like a producer on the movie and, um, the main she, producer. Yeah. Yeah. With David she, yeah. She had the like rights, um, and worked with Mattel and actually reached out to Greta to write it. And then, uh, when Noah and Greta were writing it, Greta was like, I actually want to direct this. And like apparently Margot or Greta was the first person Margot thought of, which is awesome. And, but, but when Margot was talking about it, because I think she kind of has like a business brain on as well. Absolutely. Um, She had to sell it. She said she sold it like the next Jurassic park. That's what she said in her meeting. Yeah. It kind of, she said it was going to make a billion dollars. (laughs) Apparently Um, like 
offhand joke like she said it like that yeah but it feels like one of those james cameron like i'm gonna make alien the sequel and it's gonna make a lot of money where you write an s and then a dollar sign <laughs> through the s it feels like that kind of moment where it's like a mythologized thing of what yeah. actually happened uh but i mean shout out margot robbie for yeah. getting it done well because she also you know pitched it to them that we have to talk about what people hate about barbie because people have a complicated relationship with barbie but anyway i was just yeah i just thought it was fascinating that as the business side of it she was like i don't know if i her answer to the the person's question, Margot's answer was like, I don't know if I would call it a feminist movie. And then Greta Interesting. Um, turned to her and was like, well, it's a pretty like big part of it. Like I, yeah. and, and then she like went on to call it a feminist movie. So I thought that was really interesting. I don't know if that's something on it. Like it may be planned. I, you know, people well, Mattel have, said they don't want to call it. They did say that. They don't right. Want to call so, it but Margot is a part, like basically an yeah. extension of that of as a Mattel. producer. Yeah. Right. So like, I just thought that was like fascinating, uh, to view that it regardless though, people, I don't think are really like looking into it. Um, in that lens, like looking at, you know, interviews with Margot and Greta, I think Probably people are consuming not. the movie and That's it's like, you job. are consuming. Yeah. If you are <laughs> consuming the, the movie, like there are, while obviously like very pop, like one Oh one, maybe like psychology, e- woman just, studies. Yeah. Just ideas. like the idea of the contradictions that women face or like double binds, you know, it, uh, that's something that I originally I was like, okay, I need to, n- I I would think my first reaction was probably like, okay, this feels like something that I've already know. And, and I feel like a lot of people already have heard, but right. we have nothing that exactly. does that. So exactly. So I, I we have to hammer that point. Yeah. Home. So I immediately just like let that, uh, that thought go. Remember um, last year. Don't worry, darling. People were like, oh my God, don't yeah. we already know this? And also promising young woman, something uh, yeah. that Margot uh, Robbie also produced Yes. Uh, with Emerald oh. Fennell with Mitch. Oh, weird. <laughs> Pregnant Barbie. That's funny. Um, but yeah, a lot of people have reactions to movies of like, don't we already know this? Uh, apparently not, I guess. I don't know. But I'm, I'm just really glad, though, that that is not the reaction to this movie um, and that people are really embracing it. And mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. I just it, it I mean, becomes a, emotional at the end. Uh, yeah. But I mean, in terms of I think some people might be thinking who are listening to this. What about those dark corners of the Internet? you know, of people criticizing this like movie. Like the Ben Shapiro Yeah, I was going to say, he okay. who shall not be named. But yes, <laughs> the Shapiros of the world. But I think just look at the box office, like what you said earlier. This movie hit a billion dollars. And I think alongside, oh, well, let me put in perspective for people. Alongside like Ava DuVernay, Patty Jenkins, Catherine Bigelow, Gerwig is like one of like four women, I think, ever to be able to direct a live action film with a budget of $100 million or more. And... Now she just passed Patty Jenkins, who made Wonder Woman as the highest grossing woman filmmaker in the history of live action movies. Yeah. I just wanted to reiterate that because I know you said it earlier, but the, again, that's such a big, massive deal for representation. Yeah. And I, I don't mean that in like a virtue signaling way. I mean, that's literally going to change the landscape of movies because this isn't like there are other women who have directed like animated films, for example, of like co-directing Frozen 1 and Frozen 2, yeah. mm-hmm. which I've made like one point. $5 billion or whatever. But the fact that studios are now going to be forced to pay up in green light scripts that explore the lives of girls and women at a large scale, maybe even like satires on patriarchy, because <laughs> yeah. you would have thought we would have saw like a, like Captain Marvel comes to mind as a movie that is starring a woman, but isn't necessarily about woman. Yeah. Right. And it's more of a part of a, a of a kind of an, a Marvel industrial complex. Exactly. That is more it's like interested an extension in a of like a masculine steel. Yeah. Lens. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And 
before I would have thought it would have taken us like 20 years of woman blockbusters to get a satire on patriarchy. The fact that that's one of the first big movies that we get in the history of woman making hundred million plus dollar movies is pretty wild. It's hard not to be impressed yeah. by what is happening right now with Barbie. Even if you are like listeners are, cause I know I am and Kelsey probably is too like economically and politically skeptical of Mattel and specifically like the IP of Barbie. And if you're like cynical about, what Kelsey was saying earlier, like the actual impact of Barbie's messages, like the feminist message that's sort of propelling the movie. I feel like that's totally fair to be skeptical of those things. Like I said, I share those maybe uh, questions about the movie, Mm -hmm. but I think at its worst right now, Barbie is having the impact of like the dark night. And I feel like that's not being hyperbolic. I do really feel like it's having a 2008 dark night moment right now. That is to say that like teenagers and young adults have debated like the ethical dilemmas of the dark Knight for 15 years yeah, or like an infinity war with, you know, Thanos. And now I really do think people are going to be talking about the sociological lens and debating that on Barbie for the next 15 years, like teenagers and young adults alike, which I think is pretty impressive. I think like we probably both share the idea since we just kind of noted it a second ago that I don't think Barbie is like incredibly deep or scathing, but I think that like it, it does compare to the dark Knight to me where it's asking questions. There are parts where it's not totally clear what the argument is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, but it's like yeah. doing a really good job of starting conversations. And with Barbie, I think it's like maybe more uh, important <laughs> like to, with the conversations that Barbie is starting. Like I, uh, I saw someone I've, I've heard a lot of people talking, talk about like bringing um, people that they're in relationships with or like yeah, yeah. their partners or their dads. Um, oh, I saw someone, <laughs> I saw someone I, when I went to see it a third time, uh, they went with their dad and their dad was like walking out of the theater, like, um, like a no goodbye. And they were like, dad, bye. <laughs> and he was like wearing all pink and he was like, Oh, bye. <laughs> I was like classic. But I, I think that uh, people what? have been having a lot of good conversations with, people about maybe things that feel, I, I don't know, because again, this, this feels again, like, um, uh, I, things I, that people m- maybe talk about, but I don't know, like we're in education. So like we, uh, I feel like I have this conversation. Maybe well, you've taught like high level women's studies for like six years. You know something? what I mean? So yeah. it's like, obviously for someone like you, it's going to, this movie is going to seem like what you said earlier, like a pop one one feminist text in a sense. But like, I think you're totally right. I don't think people are having conversations that this movie is like prompting them to have. Um, but even if it was, even if, even, even if it is, I think Barbie is more interesting than as like a time capsule of like the fact that these messages or these ideas might seem like feminism 101, but we've never seen feminism 101 in this large of a scale and put out to this many people at this scale, yeah. I think is the more important point. Yeah. Like looking at the f- history of film. Yeah. It's like regardless of what the movie's even arguing, the fact we haven't seen a through line of, of, uh, of a feminist text like this at a $100 million scale, that is the, the big point of this movie and the fact that it made 10x its budget and it continues to make more, which it probably will get into that like 1.3, 1.4 billion number, which I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. It's going to yeah. make an insane amount of money, uh, which again, good and bad, and we'll talk about it. Uh, well, I guess let's talk about it now. It's So The Dark Knight basically financed the Marvel Industrial Complex, right? Barbie is like inadvertently financing the Mattel Industrial Complex. So like, yeah, I was going to make a whole long 
point and continue on the feminism thing, but we're going to get into that. Well, yeah, yeah. We'll get into that. But what I want to say before we just move on to what I'm assuming you're going to talk about, like, I do want to talk the about movies Mattel. that are coming. Yeah, yeah I want to talk about Mattel. Um, I do want to say, though, just before we move on that, I think, though, that the, the fact that people are feeling seen like within this movie, because I don't want to sound pretentious, like, oh, yeah, this is like 101 emotion, like because people are literally feeling seen and like it's an, an important message to have about the experience of being a woman and like the idea of these standards and like this idea of expectations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I do want to make sure, cause I was like, I don't want to sound pretentious. No, I just think, <laughs> I, I think it's fair for someone to be like, these are the same ideas and questions that like Joe was saying in little woman, like four years ago. Yeah. And so now this is just like done in Barbie. Like I would understand if somebody critiqued the movie in that way, if it's saying that these feminist messages have already been done, but again, not at this scale. And that yeah. does matter. This is at 4,000 plus theaters, which is the same as Oppenheimer. And also in a comedy, like it is very hard to very write true. jokes that hit over and over. I'm glad you're hammering like, down on that because people keep saying that like does. comedy is dead and like no hard feelings with Jennifer Lawrence was a good movie and was really funny. We never talked about on the show. Has yeah. one of the most iconic Jennifer Lawrence scenes <laughs> yeah, ever. <that's> awesome. <laughs> Literally, I can't believe we haven't talked. <laughs> it is one of the wildest scenes I've ever seen in movies, I think, especially because it's like our childhood acting hero, yeah. which is Jennifer Lawrence. Right, right before it happened, I was like, I leaned it over to Trey and I was like, this is going to happen. I can't believe and then you're right I was just <laughs> I was like, no, well, it's J-Law. She's <laughs> crazy, yeah. Uh, where was I going with that? Okay. Uh, okay. Well, I think we were talking about Mattel IP franchise. Let's right? talk like, about Mattel. The whole, yeah. Okay. Because I think with this movie, um, you were talking about like, it is great that now we are going to have green lit stories yeah. that uh, maybe, pro- you know, people with, with money were like, oh, I didn't know people were interested in films that even like say patriarchy or like, yeah. <laughs> even though they're doing it, you know, in a, in a, a funny way, like funny way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but just generally like films that are in- interested in this at a big budget level um, and these ideas. But I feel like from all the movies that I've seen announced, um, it seems like Mattel, you know, like you said, the Mattel industrial complex that's being financed. Mm-hmm. Um, I am skeptical about like what is going to come out of these. Cause you can't just keep doing the same thing. So I like, at least on the Mattel front, yes. I, I'm happy for the industry at large, or I'm happy at for what will hopefully come for the industry at large, as far Which as like telling more, more stories about, about women. women. Yeah. yeah. But, um, for, for Mattel, should we just say some of the movies that are being greenlit? There's Hot Wheels, which was already announced, like 2025. That's coming out, right? Wild. Or well, we'll see with all movies. Yeah, apparently um, it's J.J. Abrams. Yeah, so that was already in the works. Yeah, Polly Pocket, which you mentioned over and over again, like as a a joke, because uh, your sister played with Polly Pockets. I also played with Polly Pockets. I think Lena Dunham's doing that one. I- think so that's what was like the first announcement and, gonna, and then it's gonna be starring the woman from love rosie that we that we like that's oh good movie. really lily yeah. collins lily collins oh yes. wow yeah. okay that makes sense that's the rumor i think um and then there's barney that one surprised me i think that's daniel kaluuya I think okay from, i i, I think want barney nope. to yeah. be a dark story um if if they're really gonna do it like i feel like maybe like an uncut gems kind of situation i mean that'd um, be sick <laughs> Maybe Emma Seligman, you could uh, reach out to her people, everyone, bring a Shiva baby <laughs> energy to Barney. Sure. I mean, th- the way that she shoots Shiva baby with that anxiety like lens 
really works with a person inside like a costume. By the um, way, we're seeing Shiva Baby in uh, theaters next week. We are. And know, we're seeing that's what I'm an early screening it. of Bottoms. I know. And, and, like, I'm another so week excited. after that. Yeah. Shout out to Ed- Emma Seligman. Yeah. Um, Barney is coming though. And Thomas I just, ma- I just literally made it sound like that she was directing it. Like I like stamped it or something. Um, but we're Thomas, fantastic. the train is coming. Yes. Um, Thomas, the tank, Tom. I don't know. I've never watched Thomas. And then, uh, uh there's a lot of movies. Isn't there like an American Rock'em, girl doll movie? Sock'em robots. Yeah. yeah. American doll, which makes sense. Like it's such a huge franchise. I never had an American doll, but monopoly, um, Uno, I think like just so many different things coming yes. that I just don't think are necessary. <laughs> like what are they going to do with these movies? Yeah. So Mattel has like 14 movies getting ready to hit set soon. Okay. Which is wild. And I, and I literally mean 14 movies. That's a, as at least what that's what the public is aware of. And those 14 movies are all in different genres, but they do seem to be going more in the satirical direction because they are a corporation trying to virtue signal progressive ideals like through Barbie. And so they're going to use Barbie as like basically the Iron Man of their franchise. Yeah. But that just makes me sad as like a premise. Like while I would like that, it's just with Mattel behind it. And like, guess what? It feels 40, I think three, 43 movies right now in development. Wow. That's including movies that might go to streamers too. So that, I mean, we don't even know what those, I don't know what else Mattel owns. Apparently they own a lot of IP. I hope they make Monopoly a horror. That's Uh, the only way I'd be I was hoping for like a Ruben Usland, like kind of economic satire. I think that'd be pretty cool. I was thinking more of like a, um, what's the horror movie we love with the rich family. This is so sad. Um, This conversation. (laughs) I know. This is depressing as fuck. (laughs) What movie am I thinking of? Uh, With Adam Brody. Adrian Brody. And no. Oh, Adam Adam Brody. Brody. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. I can't believe this. I'm oh, so, Ready or Not? Yes, Ready or Not. Okay. It's like one of my favorite okay, yeah. horror movies. I mean, that'd be great too. I, I just, I feel like we're walking into a weird movie landscape over the next 10 years. Like we're about yeah. to be, like, I think Marvel was just the beginning. And I know a lot of people have been preaching this for a long time, especially critics of the MCU is like, we are opening the door to corporations trying to trick us that they're progressive entities. And, and looking at the news lately, I am worried because <laughs> there are other big companies with massive IP that are trying to get in bed right now with production studios because of Mattel's business success. And I think the one that made me feel the most uncomfortable are the ones that obviously have no thematic meaning in our culture. Uh, Like the one I saw this morning, which is Crayola, which apparently is getting an animation studio. Um, I mean, you could do a lot with crayons, but and creativity Okay, color the different <laughs> colors that have emotions. But I think I, I I I think like Mattel or I mean if there are other toy centric like companies that are looking into yeah, you but, know making movies because of the success of Barbie, like yes, of course that feels like really hollow. Okay, but I guess my point is like behind Pixar, there are artists mm-hmm. hopefully working with executives behind Crayola. I'm not really I'm I. I'm not really sure. I don't really have as much confidence. There's not as much history I have with these companies to tell me that they're actually as far as movies. Yeah. Well, good intentions, I guess. And I know good intentions, capitalism. We're not going to (laughs) debate that right now. I guess we're going to get into it in a bit, but like, I don't know. I'm just a little bit worried seeing consumer good companies trying to find ways to rebrand their company and shift from purchases to now online to now media and films. And like my economics teacher brain is hurting, but also like I'm equally intrigued and fascinated trying to watch companies shift business strategies like in the moment and 
they're also trying to like craft progressive mission statements and like rebranding themselves, which yeah. I think we're very cynical about. And Mattel is like the, you know, the most successful example of that. And they're also doing something really interesting in terms of financing. Kelsey, I don't, we've not talked about this, but maybe I won't be able to explain this coherently because I'm still taking it in. But Mattel really went into this Barbie film with almost like nothing invested in this film. They went into this like capital light and their executives have been talking to the shareholders of Mattel because they're a publicly traded company that they don't have as much money invested in this film as most people think they do. Um, but they are going to make a good return because they're in a situation that's win-win because capital light for Mattel basically means that they're just using their IP as leverage and then putting money in marketing, but letting production teams and Warner brothers as, as the distributor help with the cost of the film, which is kind of frightening because that means Mattel can make their 40 movies or TV shows or streaming movies, whatever, and then fail. But also we can't really do but anything. They, like basically don't lose. Yeah, I mean, to be like extra clear, basically the the worst case scenario from this Mattel Cinematic Universe and the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Crayola Cinematic Universe <laughs> uh, over the next 10 to 15 plus years is that you are going to have corporations, basically a corporate dystopia in film where corporations are getting all of their IP made into movies with artists behind the scripts, hopefully not AI, and then you're going to have production teams funding movies where those production teams and the distributors are taking on the, the cost of those films while the corporations who control the IP don't take on any cost because they already got did the legwork, which is have the IP in the first place. And so we are putting up a situation where, you know, Mattel, Marvel, Crayola, these companies can just churn out bad movies potentially in the future, which is happening with Marvel right now. And then nothing will happen to those companies because they're not the ones taking the biggest loss. Or like Mattel in, in this Most situation. Likely, yeah, Mattel is the better example than Marvel right now because Mattel seriously is not taking a loss. Well, like, okay, so the the only reason, because, uh, you know, people might be like, well, who cares? Like, I'm not going to go see, you know, whatever movie. The Crayon movie. Insert, yeah, insert yeah. whatever toy, you know, movie. But, I mean, they are taking slots of movies in theaters and like also or funding where funding, funding yeah. is the most important part right so like distributors and producer production teams like studios not funding uh they're trying to basically cutting they're trying to cut cost and maximize profit and so like the best situation is to already do it with an existing ip and that's what's happening with mattel mm -hmm. and that's what's probably going to happen with other consumer good companies and it's just kind of a it is a corporate movie dystopian nightmare and i'm not trying to be hyperbolic but it is kind of scary and so that is the part of this which is like it's hard not to see the kind of parallels between christopher nolan making the dark knight and the mcu coming out of that and then greta making barbie and whatever is about to happen over the next 15 to 20 years when we're podcasting about the Crayon 7 <laughs> with our kid, our future kids crying Kerplunk in the next room. <laughs> from Mattel. Oh my did God. Did you ever play that game? No, I did not play that game, but now I'm just, again, it's a terrifying future. Uh, okay. Let's, let's get more into Barbie. <laughs> let's talk about Barbie. Let's this movie about, rocks. Do you ever feel like dying? That's like basically uh, what we just did. I, yeah. I, so, okay. Let's talk about Barbie and I guess just like, well, before we jump into the movie itself and like the performances and and the storyline, mm -hmm. um, let's talk about the production because the set is wild. It is incredible. Yeah. What was your favorite part of Barbie Land? Uh, it's like unapologetic style. Like I think it yeah. like has this kind of clear uh, 
energy that's very transparent from the jump. And I love how energy is coming into her mind because of Kennergy. It, yes. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, but there's Barbie energy that's yes. very clear. Like everyone's yeah, the world building. Yeah. And the, and the rules that are, that are, I think implied uh, throughout the, throughout the story, which I think is pretty cool in the world. I, I just kept thinking of like other influences too. Like Greta Gerwig seems so obsessed with like Jacques Demy movies. Like I kept thinking about the umbrellas of Cherbourg with the bright pastels and the red shoes. And I just love how the movie is very invested in this idea of just being yourself and knowing that's enough. Even though we have problems with that theme generally, I think this movie, it really works because we're following these kind of dolls. Right. And Gerwig usually being someone who's a little bit anarchic and like unhinged and humanist at the same time, deciding to tell an Adam and Eve satire through <laughs> Barbie and Ken. I just thought that was so smart. And I think I was like, I paused any kind of, I suspended disbelief, disbelief especially like, especially like film criticism, criticism disbelief, because I just bought into the world yeah. and the way that it looked and the way that it worked and the way that everybody had a role in Barbie society. And I just wanted to live in the first 30 minutes of this movie for two hours. And I'm really yes. sad we didn't yeah, get to. Yeah, I felt the same way. I like wanted to get back to Barbie land. Like mm -hmm. ever when we left it, I was like, I want to be in this longer. And even when we were in the last part of the movie, I still wanted to explore more like the, I mean, obviously everything that happens with the Kens is like hilarious, but yeah. I, I wanted to go beyond the dream houses. I wanted to, uh, and, and the beach. But I want to see where the Kens live. <laughs> they don't know. They, <laughs> they don't even know. They don't know. I, yeah, but I think we, we should talk about the production too. So Greta, uh, had movie church on Sundays. And so the cast could go watch films um, that influenced the movie and the set obviously is like practical. Like you were talking about, she wanted to, really create what she kept calling throughout all her interviews of this like authentically artificial set somewhere where you yeah. know it's a soundstage and you know there are painted skies and um it, it is transparent that it is in a set and yeah. it's heightened like and beautiful for that reason and you respect it for that transparency exactly yeah. yeah and so like um so that, that heightened world and also the practical design, uh, that she was pulling from like the thirties and forties, fifties, like sound soundstage musicals, um, is something that I think she totally achieved in Barbie. Like it was something like those, those influences that she, she keeps citing. Like she really did it. Like she really achieved, I mean, her team obviously, but her vision, uh, to create something that felt like a musical, even though it was yeah. more musically driven. Yeah. Um, but that looked like a soundstage musical was phenomenal. It made me think Greta must be a fan of La La Land. Yeah. Or, or obviously well, seems, she's a fan well, of it's so funny when she talks but... about her influences, like, um, umbrellas of Cherbourg yeah, yeah. and wizard of Oz yeah. and, uh, you know, American so, in Paris, like yes. all the, all the dream ballet influences also. Um, but, but also those are huge influences for Damien Chazelle. Like you have to think, I don't know if, if they've Isn't that talked, weird? but There's it feels crossover like they'd be like best Chazelle friends. And Greta <laughs> I guess they're basically the same age. So that makes sense. I'm just like fascinated by the fact that we have two of our biggest young filmmakers making kind of like musicals. Like that's interesting. Cause we didn't have musicals really growing up yeah. in movies. So well, I think, like there's something also like sad underpinning oh, yeah. musicals too. And there are like the character part, stories, right? The tragedy underneath. Yeah. But I think like for an example of the practical sets beyond the Barbie dream houses, like the kind of like 
pop-up book quality. I guess that's how I'll yes, describe that's it. That's a good the, way to put it. Yeah. The travel book or so the travel sequences yeah. um, where, you know, it starts with a car and then a spaceship, then a camper, a snowmobile. There is a really cool behind the scenes video. Maybe I'll try to like screen capture it so we can tweet it out. Um, but of the, how, how literally practically like, like they made the waves in that, yeah. um, yeah. In, in the ocean sequence, uh, and there in the snowmobile, like there's the background is moving slower and then the pieces more towards the camera are like mm-hmm. moving faster to create. And they're on like a dolly. Yeah. yeah it's really like cool. it is so cool. Um, so, so just that she was able to really capture that and make it feel, um, like it wasn't something that I'm detached from. Like yeah. I wanted to like keep existing in this world that feels like the wizard of Oz is really cool. But, um, she also, you know, took a lot of, um, inspiration from those movies, like the layering of color, like Jacques Demy movies, like umbrellas of Cherbourg. Like she talked about how there were five different shades of pink and she basically wanted to make it look like a painting. So, you know, I'm not overwhelmed when I'm looking at the images. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. like, it's pleasing, right? Like they layered them so well. And then, um, just the, even the like small inspirations, like, uh, an American in Paris, right? Like the morning routine in that, where, uh, she uses an inspiration for Barbie getting ready in the morning. Yeah. Um, just, and then like the mirror being a see-through mirror, like not actually being a mirror there. I thought yeah. that was smart too. That's yeah, from definitely. Yeah, yeah. And it reminds you of like, obviously those are from, um, older movies, like the, the ladies man, right? Like mm-hmm. the moving through the rooms and you see each part of like a cutout house, which a which lot of people talk about Damien with, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, which also people talk about with Wes Anderson movies, obviously, especially he goes yeah. through all the rooms. Like if you think of Steve Zizou and the <laughs> each room in the boat and, um, also like the, the dream house set, uh, you know, she talked about rear window, like being able to see all your neighbors, which is kind of funny, like an eerie <laughs> thing that yeah. is included within the, the aspect of while Barbie is really like, uh, pink and fun and light. Comical, there is yeah. also like that idea of that. She, she does include thematically, obviously she's thinking of a movie like rear window where there's no place to hide, right? Like yes. there's not a place to hide in Barbie land thematically. Totally. And so, um, she doesn't feel like, right. There's a line that Barbie never gets embarrassed, right? Yeah, like that yeah. is kind of included with the Truman show the element too, which is yeah. like not having any free will, which is interesting. Yeah. And she talked to Peter Weir for a long time about how he mm-hmm. filmed that. Um, but, but you're right. Like the idea of, of truth in your world and, um, having to access outside of your world, uh, where, where she then has like the kind of consciousness raising session at the end. Yeah. Which I loved. I think that does work actually. Yeah. I uh, want to shout out Sarah Greenwood and Katie Spencer. They served as the set set designer and decorator um, workers and they were, they were wonderful. And I think there's those two names. I heard a lot on the press store for a lot of these, uh, the writers, the actors, the executives from Mattel, like those two people got shouted out a lot. So I just want to say those names and also the DP, Rodrigo Prieto, who also worked on um, Killers of the Flower Moon this year. So I yeah. think the fact that this movie is getting so much buzz right now uh, for Oscars, the obvious names like Rodrigo are probably going to get nominated, even if people have like maybe some issues with the cinematography in this movie that I read about. I don't think it really matters because the movie's doing so well. I hope people like Sarah Greenwood get nominated as set designer because it would be so great for this movie to, that's so practical to be getting nods at the Oscars yeah. because again, this movie doesn't really have much 
it has no CGI, but I believe it has it doesn't have much VFX either. So that's really impressive. Um, there were moments though in Barbie Land where the camera did zoom out of Margot Robbie in her car driving around Barbie Land, and it was like animated toy figures in the car. Oh, like they made miniatures. To yeah, they made miniatures. Give and uh, scale. It looked like an animatic, and I was kind of taken out of the world, even though I'm not supposed to be able to be taken out of it because the movie is like telling you that you're in a fake world. <laughs> right. So I, I don't know that didn't totally work for me, but it's a small. Nitpick. Yeah. I, it's so interesting that you, cause you pointed that out and I, I didn't, I didn't even see it. Like I just thought they were zooming out and it were it went so quickly that I kind of mm-hmm. missed it. But I, I do understand like seeing something that looks like a Lego movie or something all of a sudden. Yeah. That's what it looked um, like. Yeah. Feels strange. It was um, yeah, yeah. In a kind of live action movie. But um, I think just like even, even looking out over Barbie land was so cool. Like you saw the Barbie statue of Liberty and like the white house, pink house, whatever. Like there were all these, uh, really just, just this cool, like city created that I wanted to spend more time in. And I think like she also just did a good job with her vision and her team, like creating a world that we, we were introduced to really quickly. It's obviously very fun to look at, Mm -hmm. but she established the kind of rules of the world like you're talking about. Um, And then also thematically, she like tied a lot in um, where you could either look at that, the kind of like Wizard of Oz posters that she sees driving through Main Street. That's Wizard of Oz is showing in the the movie theater there as like an influence um, because she at the end like has a ceremonial ending for each one of the characters like she did in the, the, like the wizard of Oz does That's true. Um, like getting a heart or courage or a brain or, you know, whatever. And obviously Barbie is a movie that is about like self-discovery and, mm-hmm. and going on that journey um, as well. So like she did a, a really good job, including those pieces in the world itself as nods, but also things that thematically like really tie into her movie. Yeah. She so, planted seeds really well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think like, even before we go into that, Barbie world really quick. I want to talk about like the production of, um, or just the set that she built for, uh, 2001, a space odyssey, like, uh, baby dolls. Like we open up to the movie. I forgot that's how it opens because they kind of set the premise of the movie that, that there, there's not just one Barbie. There's many. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, so like we open to the narrator, right? Helen Mirren, who I think did a great, <laughs> great job. It's kind of like a nature documentary yes. kind of uh, narration. And she's saying like, since the beginning of time, all little girls played with like baby dolls mm-hmm. and they could only play at being mothers, which could be fun for a little. And she says, ask your mother, which is very funny. <laughs> it's just all these little girls like ironing, you know, clothes and mm-hmm. like, drying like uh clothes on like a uh like a clothes rack like cooking like you know doing all these like domestic Domestic. things and and then you know to have the little kid um be focused on who kind of looks like a little greta like i'm assuming i thought so too (laughs) she's adorable yeah yeah she was so cute and like and then just smashing everyone smashing the dolls and like um you know there's a huge barbie that that shows up it's kind of a badass opening. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think like there is obviously she does a, a good job like with the material that she has to both kind of show like that Barbie because Barbie like um, was created technically um, the the creator of Barbie Ruth Handler like mm-hmm. said that she 
she saw her kid playing with like paper dolls with a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, and they were kind of thinking about like the, the dolls as people like talking about their futures and, um, and she realized that there were only baby dolls. And like, so little girls didn't have a toy to play with, to think about like their identities and, and futures and like kind of play in that way outside of motherhood. Right. And so, so she does a good job, like kind of showing that, like this, like smashing that idea of a specific type of imagining. Um, mm-hmm. but then also like, right. She, she does a, the funny thing where like, she's showing all the Barbies and she's like, Barbies are, you know, everything. She's showing the different jobs that Barbie has. Um, and that is true of the Barbie toy. Like, yeah. um, she was like an astronaut. Um, she had like a dream house before, um, you know, yeah. it was rare doctor. At, for <laughs> yeah. at that time. Like, I think it was like the sixties, right. When, when Barbie was, coming out, Mm -hmm. um, with all the like accessories and like a, like a dream house. And it was rare for a woman to have a credit card or like a mortgage of their own. Right. So like there was that, there is that aspect to Barbie, but obviously like we all all know there are also those problematic, like, um, issues with stereotypes and body standards and like this idea of a doll being created and like the male gaze, right. The image of a male gaze and like, cause they're, was also or the, or the capitalist lens too. In yeah. addition to that, which is like, does agency equate to like working a nine to five? Yeah. Which is also, interesting. yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think, well, there was also a, um, as far as like the body image and body standards piece of it there, I was reading a times article, I think, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how Barbie, there was a slumber party edition and it, the scale it came with like a scale set at 110 pounds. Oh, and wow. it came with a book that said, how to lose weight, don't eat. Um, and so, yeah. So like, obviously like there are a lot of, um, issues associated with Barbie. Like she was a doll named Lily that was, um, based on an objectified character in a comic. So like immediately at the creation of Barbie is this contradictory one, right? Like, uh, is it really leading to more opportunities for girls and as far as like imagining their futures. Um, but it's, it's created like in this really, uh, I guess like complicated space, right. Of like what, Mm -hmm. um, women exist, the image of women Mm right in the world exist as. So, uh, she kind of did, she kind of did address that though with like the, um, like white background and all the like Barbies are turning around like an astronaut or whatever. And then she's like, uh, you know, since Barbies were created, like all problems of equal rights yeah. are solved, right? Like all women have to thank Barbies. And so I think she did a, a good job just opening the movie. Um, Addressing the BS. Like, yeah. Corporate yeah. aspects of this film, of the film already from the top. Exactly. Yeah. That's as far as Mattel really lets her go. I think in terms of being, in terms of really critiquing the, uh, the marketing of Barbie dolls as feminist objects. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think so. Like there are obviously pieces at the end, like the America Ferrera speech, mm-hmm. um, and also Barbie. It, I mean, obviously like, the patriarchy, like joke of it all. Yeah. But, but I think you are right. As far as like looking at Barbie, it's a, it's an immediate concession yeah. at the beginning of, a, of the movie, which is obviously needed. Um, it's great script writing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also we, we have that thing later on where, 
um, Helen Mirren comes over and she's like, Margot Robbie is the wrong person to cast, right? If you're trying to make a point about not feeling beautiful. <laughs> so I, I, sure. I think there were nods, but yeah, I, I agree. I think yeah. there, I loved going through also the different sites of Barbie, even though we didn't get to like spend a lot of time in the space. There was lawyer Barbie. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, I have no difficulty uh, holding emotion and logic at the same time. Yeah. It does not diminish my power. It expands it. <laughs> yeah. I think that case they were doing with Citizens United, which is funny considering a corporation is given agency at that point in time. I'm pretty sure that's what they were doing in that scene. But yeah, I wish we could have stayed in that room a little bit longer. I was hoping for like a few good men Barbie moment. Yeah. 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 And then I, and then obviously there was like President Barbie. I just loved the the whole set like piece of the camera, like mm-hmm. the, and everyone interviewing like Issa Rae, president Barbie. And she was like, everyone just compliment each other, which yeah. obviously like could just be like a surface level. Like, Oh, like all women are just like, uh, should be nice to each other. But really I think like, she's also commenting on the idea of like, um, of how women are supposed to be seen and succeeding. And like, yeah. um, and this, like the, you know, obviously the, kind of bind of like being friendly and being uh, liked and successful mm-hmm. versus being someone who is seen as successful, but is not liked or seen as like not friendly. Right. Like, so I think she is like being self-aware and smart, like playing with in that, even though it seems kind of surface level, I think she, she is aware of that as she's like writing that. So I, yeah. I liked all the stops on Barbie land. No, I did too. I'm excited to rewatch it and take that in because even after two watches, even in the second watch, it can help, but kind of just, be stuck in the previous scene I was just in because it just all looks incredible. Like I'm stuck in the set design. I'm stuck in the performance. I'm stuck in the outfits. Like it's just a lot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there were things I didn't notice too. Uh, they said that they were made the outfits, I guess to like fit in a pack. Like if you got a Barbie, apparently oh, I never wow. got a fancy pack like that, but like a, I've seen the poly pocket outfits. I think I know what they're talking about. Like a about. swimsuit packet yeah. or a swimsuit that, and then like a dress or something like they mm-hmm. all had the same kind of, pattern apparently they did that i didn't notice but yeah cool. um but but before i guess we go more into the the plot like we've already dropped some names of the actors what did you think about the performances in this movie man um well i guess i'll start with the the side ones because those are the ones not getting as much love the side characters the supporting roles of this film michael Sarah's character and Issa ray's character really stood out to me um as being parts of the movie I wish we would have got more of or two characters I wish we would have got more of. I think Connor Swindell and Shuti Gatwa from Sex Education are also really good. Yeah, I are love given limited roles. that sex education actors are just... Yeah, Emma Mackey too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I also wish they had more to do because they are amazing. Those five, I think, Emma Mackey included, I wish had more to do, especially Issa Rae because I think... She was so obviously underutilized from a comedic aspect. And I feel like sometimes maybe listeners can look out for this if you haven't already picked it up. But sometimes a movie that is starring white characters that is acting as progressive or has like explicit progressive messages will then put a person of color in a position of power in a movie to give this like illusion of diversity and unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think Issa Rae is kind of put in a position to kind of, she gets like the, what is it? She says the, she says fuck in the movie, I, but I forget. Yeah, the, the Mattel. She, yeah. I think she says it. That's 
Ken says, is it just me or did these Mojo Dojo Casa houses just get dreamier? Yes. And she's like, that's because they are Jar- Barbie's dream house, motherfucker. Yeah. And it's like Mattel. <laughs> Which is like a great line. Thank you. Uh, great delivery. But again, it's just kind of like one-liners and she's the president. It's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, Issa Rae is one of the funniest actors working right now. And uh, I just don't understand how she could have gotten more. And Michael Sarah included. So those two really stood out to me as people I wanted more. But there are two people who I wanted to mention as like performances that I was like, wow, I want to see these two people in big budget blockbusters more. Uh, also, obviously, Will Ferrell, really funny, does yeah. a great job with his screen time. <laughs> a uh, lot of people said, actually, uh, just like reading reviews um, and, and listening to some pods on this, a lot of people said they didn't like Will Ferrell, like he didn't work huh. for them in this role. I thought that was so interesting. And maybe it's because I'm not a huge Will Ferrell like fan. I, I, I do love him. Um, but okay, I mean, you're not, I don't watch. Fan. Yeah. I don't watch like everything with sure. him in it. So I can't like differentiate, but I, I thought his scenes were really funny. Like I liked his character with, uh, an exception of like a few in the Mattel building, but I loved when he was like at the end, he, it's like, you know, like, wow, Ken. Yeah leadership is hard. He is like, <laughs> thanks for that. Like Barbie and Ken, yeah. because now I can just go back to my very real title of CEO. And yes. then, like he also, when he's talking to speaking of Issa Rae, like he's like, call me mother. Right. And she's like, no, thank you. <laughs> or I like when America Ferreira is like telling him they need like a, just a ordinary going, Barbie. Yeah. Or depressed Barbie, ordinary oh, Barbie, yeah. whoever it is. And he's like, that's a good idea. We're going to make a lot of money. Or he says, that's a bad idea. His business guy's like, that's a good idea. He's like, that's a good idea. We're going to take that idea. And I'm like, are they going to make a joke about not paying America Ferreira's character for that idea? They didn't make the joke, but I think it's like kind of implied in this, in the sense of like, he's going to go home to his corporate job, make a ton of money. And everyone else is going to live their same lives. They were living yesterday, Mm -hmm. which again, I wish they would have hit hard on harder on, but apparently Mattel took the first script rough draft from Noah or Greta and Noah. And they had a lot of, a lot of marks there. Oh, apparently really? there was a lot of marks in the first script and they were like, we like where you're going with this. Tone it, tone it back. Interesting. Because um, they're, um, which is in I'm a lot. So I, curious I was watching that. a lot of like cast interviews for this. Like, a, and again, I don't usually watch the actor interviews because mm-hmm. I think the intention is so much more interesting about like why a story was made and the choices that were made mm-hmm. with it. Um, but I was watching this because Margot obviously had such a big hand in it. Um, and also the actors were are really involved in this pro- project um, of like making sure that their performance was matching this tone that Gerwig wanted to create. So like, but uh, oftentimes in the interviews, they uh, the cast was talking about how Mattel or I think Margo more so maybe, but like talked mm-hmm. about how Mattel just like let them do kind of whatever what they, they wanted, wanted. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think but once co- they're on set. Yeah. Yeah. But I couldn't, I, I was like thinking, I was like, I can't, imagine whatever they wanted so that makes sense yeah i'm assuming they went harder on the will ferrell care will ferrell character originally as a C- the ceo of Mattel, right, right sure. exactly so um a couple other actors i wanted to mention america ferrera uh probably the most low-key impressive performance of the film i think she was kind of underserved by the script did the most that she could with it and it, i was just like so impressed every time she had a moment to really just deliver her lines even though there was some corny mom lines which i'm not i'm kind of confused when greta and noah are like writing such like eloquent and thematically resonant Mm -hmm. dialogue and then we'll have like america ferrera or her daughter like have some really tough monologues yeah that was confusing to me too because i they're usually so good with like 
this kind of rhythmic dialogue, yes, yeah. right? That it feels like, like, you know, little woman, like everyone's talking over each other. Yes. It totally. feels quirky and different, but like real life where it feels like a, his girl Friday or it feels yeah. like a Sorkin script sometimes, but for like New York people from New York. <laughs> yeah. But like when she said, let's lose these chuckleheads, I was like, what? Oh, or like the yeah. moment where, um, America Ferreira and, her daughter, um, mm-hmm. Ariana Greenblatt's character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're talking Sophie, about like how she makes these crazy drawings and like, they are crazy and they are dark. I, that, I, it felt, um, yeah, very like, uh, not lived in as like a, as a conversation, which usually totally. their conversations really do. Which, yeah, exactly. That's the, what you go to a Greta or Noah movie for is yeah. because they feel like they're bringing real life to the screen. Uh, I just wanted to give credit to Ferreira because I think she's so emotionally dynamic in this role and her character is really, I think the only one the audience is seriously connected to outside of Barbie. Yeah. If that makes sense. And I think you said it the best after watching it the second time, which is that America Ferreira's character is basically the the lead character of the movie. She is kind of like the audience surrogate and also the messages are going through her character at the end of the film. Um, so I thought she was great. Yeah, I agree. I think like emotionally, um, and and more like realistically, emotionally, we were attached to her and Barbie because they were kind of like two ends of each other. They were kind of like the same identity, right? Like mm-hmm. Greta was exploring what a uh what America for a, a human woman was feeling, yeah, and then connecting that to the toy. It's kind of like the secret world that she talks about in Francis Hall, like mm-hmm. the the moment that uh, Barbie sees Gloria when she leaves the Mattel building and they lock eyes, there's like a obvious good point. Wow. Like kind of, um, freeze on their gaze with each other because they're realizing that they have this secret world, right. That she talks about in Mm -hmm. Francis Ha and that her and her friend, it's like a love story between friends, except in this uh, story, it's a love story between like person and toy or person. And they're kind of like imagining of what they could be or like having an outlet, um, so I, I think that like that was successful as, uh, as America Ferreira is like, she, she just did a great emotional performance where honestly, I think it's a very hard thing to do because she's, she's asked to do a lot of like strange, um, yeah. st- stretching as far as like being attached to a doll and, and also this. driving across a city. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was, that a was Ford commercial. a tough part. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, like emotionally that's right. But I think as far as, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if I, because people are attached to Ken and Barbie emotionally also just yeah. in a different way because they have such a heightened, I think because of Margot Robbie yeah. and Ryan Gosling, which we can talk about in a second, but yeah. can I ask you a question real quick? Because yeah. I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I thought maybe Greta and Noah, maybe we're trying to go there and maybe they did. I don't know. I, we haven't talked about this, but um, was the idea of America Ferreira's character that she uh, had the Barbies that she grew up with only showed her the convenient sides of uh, belonging to like a corporation, like get having the nine to five being financially independent, like the idea that she grew up older and now wanted a mother Barbie, a depressed Barbie, a, thankless mother version of Barbie or be just like some sort of, uh, way to be seen. Yeah. And like feel community around that, that kind of idea of feeling alone yeah. as depressed Barbie, like cellulite Barbie or, yes, or whatever. Totally. And well, in addition to that, also like America Ferreira's character feeling like I did everything Barbie told me to do, which is okay. like, I went and became independent. I'm a 
I'm see, oh I see and and she seems like she's the main provider of her family uh she but now she's a, in a position of being a thankless mother and her job doesn't give her the credit she deserves yeah and she's I love when an she artist but she is, can't be an artist she has to work in a corporation and like yeah and it feels like she feels entrapped by this illusion that Barbie created for her and I thought that that's the message that Greta was trying to get across which is like an anti-Barbie anti-Mattel does mm-hmm. that make sense yeah Critique? no that, that makes total sense I think um, I don't know if that was super successful. Yeah. I, I mean, that wasn't clear to me, but I, if I think about it, like not even, not even trying to galaxy brain it, like if I just genuinely think about what her arc is, I think that totally makes sense. Like, um, she, she did, she followed those steps yeah. and now feels just like Barbie kind of yeah. Barbie's journey. Cause they're kind of like a connected shining, right. Yes. Like <laughs> idea of seeing each other's, um, different journeys of like her experience is supposed to be kind of what Barbie did. Like, she's like, I'm, I am this Barbie that I, I, I followed all the rules. Mm -hmm. Like what, why is this happening? Kind of idea. Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah, I think, yeah, but no, I I think that makes sense. I thought the movie was going to end and I shouldn't have thought this, but by the end of the film, I I gave too much credit to Mattel. I thought the end the movie was going to end with America Ferrera or someone, maybe the daughter destroying a Barbie doll the same way that, the little girls destroyed the the weird Barbie. No, the babies, the little baby figures oh. at the beginning of the film. I thought they were trying. That would never happen. I know, but in my brain, <laughs> my brain was like, "How far is this satire going to go?" Because that would be. So, could you imagine that if that's how it ended? That'd be so oh wild. Um, uh, okay. Anyways, we should probably move on to the, the really, two- really quick, just because I thought yeah. you were talking about weird Barbie. Um, apparently, in the weird Barbie room, um, where they show Kate McKinnon's, you know, um. Genesis. Yeah. Yeah, Like her getting colored on and everything. Um, Oh, that little girl doing the little girl Mm -hmm. there. If apparently someone like shared this, if you look closely, it says like Gloria in the room. So apparently that was Gloria. Oh, and she was like, I, I had a weird Barbie. So we're just in the mind of Gloria. I guess so. That's her Barbie world. Okay. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about the two leads. Um, Margot Robbie is, let me just say her last three films. She, last year she was in, Babylon, Asteroid City, the beginning of this year, and now Barbie. Yeah. Um, wild. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely wild three movies. Uh, three of our favorite movies of the past two years. She is basically a cheat code right now in Hollywood. And every movie she's in, you just plug and play, and she's ready to fully become a hyper-realized version of a character. And she's just playing on a whole other level that actors like Adam Driver usually get credit for mm-hmm. but margot robbie to me is like it's just again add an, it feels like i'm watching robert de niro in his prime like when when older cinephiles talk about the best actors of the 70s 80s 90s they're like you had to be there with al pacino and robert de niro i mm-hmm. feel like that right now yeah with margot robbie where i'm watching someone just make history yeah um and I mean, maybe not get credit for it because babylon is maybe her best performance and she didn't get nominated for that. Which yeah. Is well, wild. I don't I wonder how many people even saw like I Tanya or something, right? Like she, True. she is wild. Like just what she does with Barbie though. Like the, the role that she has to play is like being ki- kind of someone with no identity at yes. the very beginning. Um, and like a sedated version of what she did in Wolf of Wall Street or something. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Like held to this system that she can't get out of. Yeah. But, but like still, um, having us like understand that she's like a person within the first act and then, and then, um, the, you know, second and third act where she actually becomes kind of emotional. Like, even though I don't think the 
we'll talk about the real world sequences of it, but mm-hmm. even though I don't think the kind of like Sasha destroys Barbie, like moments worked for, for me. Oh, we're going to get to that. Um, yeah. I, I was also jarring to just like enter into the real world. Cause Barbie land was so cool and I wanted to stay there. Yeah. Um, but th- like her getting emotional from a teenager, like yelling at her, I believed it so much. And like, especially yes. when we get to the end and, and whenever she's crying, I genuinely am like believing that this Barbie character who is like plastic and yeah. like doesn't have an identity, but is like learning to feel like I had, I, I don't even understand like how, she she's playing on three different levels was able to perform yeah. that character um where it wouldn't just feel uh re- like the choices were obvious like i i just think the like scenes where she was getting emotional were um really effective i really can't name another actor who could play barbie right now i don't know if anybody could else could have done that because she she's had such an ex- a weird career that allows her to kind of have the toolbox to do something like this, where she's playing like three or four different characters or going through like three or four different like mindsets in one film. And so I'm just so impressed. Yeah. I mean, she's like a phenomenal actor, but when we get to, uh, or should we get to Ken? Ken. Um, so yeah, I think <laughs> Ryan Gosling, you want, you want me to clear out for you? You, you got this. Yeah. I think also with, Ryan Gosling, like there is an element that we were talking about before being so connected to the Ken character and having all the comedy really hit because Mm -hmm. we are all, um, at least I am so connected to Ryan Gosling. And I think as a culture, we are connected to Ryan Gosling, like even throughout the, this this Canadian man, it's so weird. Like an American, the American obsession with this guy who we all think is from New York or Brooklyn, but he's not. Well, so even throughout the press tour, um, he like him and the cast were doing all these like questions and he had so many like, Hey girl moments, like come to life on on that press tour. Like there was a moment where, um, it was him, Kate McKinnon, Issa Issa Rae, Margot, Greta, um, America for Michael Sarah. They were like all sitting at a table. Michael Sarah too. Yeah. Wow. He did press on this. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think a lot, like it was mainly just one day. Kate yeah. <laughs> just one. I was one like, Alan he's not cameo. the kind of guy to do something like he that. He did make an Allen joke. I forget what it was, but, um, <laughs> I love him. But anyway, so Ryan was talking about like basically how, um, or America Ferrer was talking about how she like trusted Greta. So when she gave her big speech, like she did it a bunch of different ways because she knew no matter how she did it, like Greta, um, Greta was going to do it justice. Mm-hmm. And so she was just talking about how she like felt like trusted in a, in a director's hands. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Ryan was and like, people say this stuff to directors, but it just felt like very, like actually genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ryan, uh, was like, you know, talking to America Ferreira, like you, it just makes sense for your character to do this because like in so many of your roles, like so many times in your career, you say the truth and they're all like, Oh my God like just melted when he like said that. And, um, and he was, and he was like, yeah, like your Ted talk, for example. And, and she was like, you watch my Ted talk. And then everyone was like, I'm, everyone was literally said like, we're getting teary eyed. And he was like, yeah, like, you you know, I watched your Ted talk. It was very moving. Your identity, um, is your superpower, you know? And everyone was literally like, Oh my God, I'm getting emotional. And I was like, Everyone loves Ryan Gosling. Like they're he, a self-aware white man. And then it was like say less. Michael Sarah <laughs> sitting on the side. <laughs> uh, that's just me just right now listening to you talk. Everyone melt, but but I think there is a huge emotional connection to Ryan Gosling like, as a culture. Like that 
That, I mean, yeah, it's um to become Ken. But then I think like he's it, a cultural it is artifact. so smart he's, to have to cast him because of that kind of that kind of um, relationship we have to him. Yeah. As like this man who is beautiful, has emotions. Yeah. Like, self-effacing though, which is, we feel we, I, I think like as a culture, like he's a gem that we don't feel like threatened by him. Yes. As a, he doesn't play aggressive roles when he does. Well, they're like, well, yes, but like my drive heads out there. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, he plays aggressive roles. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> but like, I, do you know what I mean? Like you don't know <laughs> yeah, totally. him as someone who, I, I don't know. So any, anyway, I think that that no, has he, a huge uh, thing to do with it. I mean, I feel like Ryan Gosling to real Ryan Gosling heads out there. He's best known for like his squeals. You know what I mean? So like <laughs> we just have, a, he's like a hot guy who is willing to be weird. And he also is just like very emotionally intelligent. And so yeah. that really comes through in all of his roles. And so, yeah, I mean, it does make a lot of, it's, it is really funny to watch someone that we have all had crushes on in one way or another, uh, even if it's just the idea of Ryan Gosling, since no one really knows him. Uh, he's so yeah. private. Uh, he does seem like he has like a wonderful family with Eva Mendez and like that is really great. But we don't, we just have this relationship to him through like multiple different generations of movies. And so to see him play a character like Ken, uh, who finds the patriarchy and tries to like use the patriarchy <laughs> yeah. as a weapon is uh, it's just so funny. Yeah. And, and, and if it was a more masculine We're character, like, it would So like, for off. example, someone that Noah and Greta use a lot in their movies, like Adam Driver. Is Adam Driver. It right? would feel like, weird. It would feel, right? You would feel like. He feels threatening. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was, the word I was just going to use. So like, I think, I think that there is something special about Ryan and that's why they wrote him into the script. Like when they were writing Margot Barbie, because she was like, she produced it. They, you know. Mm-hmm decided on her when they're like, I guess it got into the nitty gritty of like script writing, but they wrote in Ryan Ken, um, like they envisioned Ryan for this role. And I think he is amazingly cast. Um, I do want to talk about before we just like dive into (laughs) their whole arc together and relationship Barbie Mm -hmm. and Ken. Um, I want to talk about other casting. What ifs? Um, Oh, so I think people have probably fun ones. heard that. Oh, maybe you have some, but I think people have probably heard that like Sarah show was, was going to be in it, yeah. uh, but she was producing something mm-hmm. and Greta was going to have like her in a cameo. Mm-hmm. Timmy was also, that was the one I it. was waiting for. Chalamet, yeah. Cause I want to talk to you. Who do you think she would have? Who do you think? Like what? Who Ken... would have Chalamet played? I don't know. Cause my first thought was Alan. Oh. Cause I, I didn't know. Cause he can't play huh. Ken. He's thought, not a Ken. Well, she said that they would be in cameos, I think, because I'm assuming their so schedules then, are so busy. I don't think he had time to so play Alan. My next guess, because I think it was actually supposed to be Jonathan Groff who was going to play uh, Alan, who's okay. from Mindhunter, David Fincher's show on Netflix. Oh, weird. Uh, Michael Sarah is such a better choice. Well, obviously, we love Michael Sarah, especially our generation. Shout out Super Badheads. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> uh, and also, he's going to be starring the next Wes Anderson Bees film eyes. next year. Great <laughs> <laughs> cry every, every night. night. <laughs> uh, 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 all right. So, um, I, I, what about magic? Ken, I thought maybe Chalamet could have been magic. Oh, Ken, who's do our you know boy. what? Tom Sturton, shout Tom out. Sturton, yeah, all my friends magic hate me. Ken. Yes. Um, former podcast guest. One yeah. Of our, fir- our first podcast I think, guest. Did, oh, we didn't talk to him about it on the, when you were talking to him on the podcast. Off the mic. Off, off yeah. mic. He was like, I am, I think he said I'm filming Barbie. Yeah. And, and I yeah. was like, you were doing what now? <laughs> we were like, it makes sense. He looks like a Ken. I'm so yeah. glad that he was one of the Kens we had who to was accepted that, yeah. into the weird house. Um, yeah. With, with the Barbies who were on, on the right side of uh, 
Barbie history. But yes. I, <laughs> it would have been great to see Chalamet, though, as Magic Ken. Yeah. In the corner of so the weird house. <laughs> I feel like he could have been like one of the Kens who had like less of a role, maybe, or something. Like, because mm-hmm. she did say like cameo. And I mean, he's like doing so many projects. I can't imagine he would even have like that that big of a role even yeah. magic can no maybe, maybe they would put him in the john cena role where he comes up from the ocean with dua lipa and just yeah wave. john cena is such an interesting choice. choice yeah totally um but yeah so i i thought i was gonna surprise you with that one oh, but greta did say that it was like making a movie without her kids and she like quickly was like i'm not their mom like but that's I, really she was cute. like but that is kind of wow. what it feels like i mean she could be their mom i mean that's <laughs> like the age difference i mean that is really cute wow. yeah yeah um, I don't have any other casting what ifs. That was my okay. My surprise. So, <laughs> what should we do now? Who would have we missed on the first act? I want. I'm trying to wait to get to the second act because the second act is like what really doesn't work. Well, about okay. The movie. Let's talk a little bit more about the the first act. Okay. Um, okay. So we we meet Barbie. We talked about Barbie Land. It's mm-hmm. so cool. Um, and then we get to the beach. I loved obviously like the all hi Barbie, <laughs> hi Barbie, hi Barbie. Um, but when Ken runs into that wave. And then has that like that doll flip. Um, it was so amazing. I think just like setting up the absurdity of yeah, this world. Exactly. Like you have to, you have to like throw us in. And when he is kind of like when everyone's saying hi, Barbie, hi, Ken, it's so clear that the Kens have a rivalry, which I would have never understood yes. immediately. Right. Like as that totally. a, a plot point because uh, he says, I mean, obviously the narrator says that Barbie has a good day every day and Ken has a good day only if Barbie notices him. Yes. And so when Ken waves, uh, Ryan Ken, and then I think Simu Ken waves, he like, (laughs) Ryan Ken like swipes his hand. It's amazing. (laughs) And then when Ryan Ken runs to the waves, there's a, that zoom in of Michael Sarah, like screaming. And someone else pointed out that it was, I'd have to rewatch it to see if this is like, the same um shot but the zoom in of officer brody and jaws on the beach <laughs> oh did they do the same after shot i, wow, I, I think I so know they did the that. zoom in but wow i'd have to look because he was at an angle where brody is like face onto the camera okay um but i i love the idea i mean baumbach and gerwig love spielberg like love him so it much, would make so sense it would make sense yeah, yeah. And then, and then obviously like we have the, the Alan, like Alan's the only Alan and he was discontinued and Amazing he has this like subplot. love hate relationship with Ken. Yeah. Um, and he wants to leave. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. It's amazing. Oh my God. I, but the, the medical station, which you already noticed, um, mm-hmm. or talked about was really cool. I, I, I thought it was fun, a funny way to set up the world too, yeah. where they were like, you know, like in the time that I just said that you actually healed yeah. or you know, Ken asking Barbie, like if he could come over, he was laughing through his performance. I know if you real Ryan heads, <laughs> if you guys watch Ryan Gosling and like the nice guys or whatever in the, like when Russell Crowe's doing his yeah. lines, you can see Gosling laughing in the side. It's so yeah, funny. They keep the takes. That's so funny. I mean, he, at one point, uh, he like says, can I come over tonight? And yes. he crosses his fingers. He's literally laughing. As yeah. He's crossing his <laughs> fingers to ask to come to Barbie's house tonight. Like as a performance, it's just, it's just so funny. I love that. They She's kept like, that I'm having in a there. party tonight. He's like, so cool. Yeah. And, and then also we have that great line. I think obviously everyone has been quoting this and like memeing it, but a genuinely like amazing joke that his job is just beach. And like, yeah. it's a misconception totally. that it's surf or, or a lifeguard. <laughs> He's so like, funny. I actually don't do too much. Actually. Yeah. Just it's like, it's just beach. Beach. Um, 
And then we get to the dance at Barbie's house, the uh-huh. dance party. And I love the dance. I think dancing my favorite, by the way, my favorite scene in the movie. Really? Yeah, I think it's my favorite scene in the movie. Why? I think it's so weird. <laughs> I think it's like, I think it feels like Barbie world. As soon as we get to the dance and everyone's clapping their hands and then Ken, like Ryan Gosling does this little shoulder dance to get into the dance floor. Oh, he's like, hold my drink. Barbie. Yeah. yeah. The Mad movie, dancing. The movie like takes cocaine and becomes so <laughs> unhinged like a Saturday we night. Said, we were like, this fever. movie feels like it's on cocaine right now. Yeah, but, but it does. And the movie like turns into this like fantastic electric dance off. And I think, I don't even think the movie can get back to the highs of excitement that I personally felt. Uh, after that scene, even at the end of the movie with the war that I love so much, th- this scene specifically is the funniest and most interesting part of, of like, for example, I think it's so weird that someone like Ari Aster, if he watched this movie, would be like, that's, I wish the whole movie was this scene. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> How weird uncomfortable this dance land. scene is. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was so sick. I, um, I love that it establishes the kind of backflip, the idea that that is something to aspire to, right? Like the, when Ken Simu does the backflip and there's yes. like sparkles and yeah, Ryan's yeah, yeah. like, what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that that's so funny that you said that. Cause this, um, the was kind of jarring to me. Like when I first saw okay. it, even though I thought it was really funny, I, I genuinely was like, what is this movie doing? Where I, just, I have a favorite scene later on with the Kens. We watched uh, They Clone Tyrone last night on Netflix. And I just love when a movie unapologetically has like a vision and a language and is subversive in that language. And this scene specifically felt like if this movie, if Barbie was going to be transgressive, which it wasn't, this was the moment to do it. And it did feel like everyone was on drugs during this moment <laughs> of the movie. And it felt like a Boogie Nights PTA vibe. Okay. Where I'm like just respecting they like went for how it much they went in for the it. rules of that world. I get that. Yeah. Um, I, I do love the, well, well first let's talk about the, like, I, does do you guys ever think about dying? Because mm. Greta explained that at that moment, basically Margot as Barbie was supposed to break the movie. Did you feel that way? Were you, were you kind of like, what is happening? I, I genuinely felt like the whole scene was so jarring. Cause I, it was in trailers. It was in it was in the first trailer. We didn't watch the trailers after the first one, but it is in the first trailer. I don't remember the. I'm that pretty line. sure. I only remember like the clapping syncing up and then the the baby oh, doll. You line. know what? I'm sorry. Maybe it wasn't in the trailers, but Alamo. I think before they played the movie, they were playing clips of the movie. Remember? Oh, and it said. And I think she okay. said that at one gotcha. point. I just remember when she said it in the movie. I remember thinking, "Oh, I've heard her say this already." I don't huh. know where. There was so much marketing in the film. Yeah, we try to stay away from things. So I think I was already kind of expecting it. But yes, it does feel like I tried to put myself in this in this the shoes of someone who had never seen that moment before. And it does feel like really heavily made and written in that moment. Yeah, I think that's what what took me out of it, even though I liked the the dance sequence. But um, obviously, she's like, I'm just dying to dance. And then we have that record scratch of going back into the world, like very Truman show, um, similar to when everyone's like watching him on the sidewalk or something, yeah. right? Like everyone's aware of him. I, I do like that idea. Um, I or think the that, matrix. Yeah. There was definitely yeah. a lot of movies where someone kind of is realizing they're not in a real world. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like having that moment. I thought it was funny though. Yeah. I, I also love the kind of, <laughs> I, I think any Barbie and Ken sequence together, are like probably my favorite, like where he's leaning in with, this music playing in the background. Like if I gave you the world on a silver platter, would it even matter? And Ken's leaning yeah. into the kiss. And he says, like, I thought 
I would stay over. And she says, for what? He says, I actually don't know. Like this funny, I, the, the writing that is kind of embracing the idea of playing with toys. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And also, and also the fact that we all have a relationship to Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie as two of like the most attractive people in yeah. Hollywood. So obviously there has to be an element of it, which the movie's like laughing at the audience. It's just laughing. Too. Yeah. You're not like going to, you're not going to see this. Yeah. Yeah. And which I do think is like hilarious that like Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, I don't care about them having any intimate scenes in any movie ever. I just want them to only do comedies. Like <laughs> I want them to, <laughs> to just be friends in comedies and movies and just play off each other. Cause they're yeah. really funny together. Their, their energy is so great. Apparently the, um, the laugh that Ryan Gosling does was something that, that Ryan like brought to the role. They're like, mm-hmm. ha ha ha. Mm-hmm. Right. As always that like the extended haws yeah, the of fraternity the laugh. laugh. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then uh, I, the part that I loved actually about this dance sequence was actually after. So when, um, she's saying, you know, actually like this is my dream house. This is my life. Um, mm-hmm. so like you can go now. Um, yeah. like your kind of expectations of the night are not even weighing on me. I thought was like really great, um, yeah. for, for little girls to see. And then we have that eerie music though. And we just go to Ken and he's like, I love you too. Oh, I can't, can't stay over. Yeah. Gotta go. And he <laughs> dances off with this eerie music, like playing like yeah. his little shuffle. Right. As the, the, uh, Barbies are screaming girls night. That was in the corner of the screen, right? When yes. you start shuffling off, he's like in that the little cul-de-sac. Amazing. Uh, that was amazing. I yeah. love that. Cause I was like, where is this movie going? going and where totally? did he go to bed that night? Yeah. <laughs> where, did he- <laughs> <laughs> where did he shuffle off to? Yeah. Um, where's the Ken sequel? Yeah. It'd be so funny. If please don't God, Mattel. Please yeah. Don't I, I feel like they're, to be probably right. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. but um, but then I mean, he made the gray man. Just throw this man twenty five million. True. He's gonna go do it. True. Um, I love that. Also, the dynamic that's created with like the Kens cheering on the Barbies playing volleyball, mm-hmm. and then Alan says to the Kens, "Great cheers, Ken." <laughs> uh, again, we needed more Michael Sarah. Yeah, yeah, I think um, so. I, I yeah, we actually got a, a lot of him, but I I, I, just, I guess I just miss Michael him. Sarah. Yeah. yeah, we just saw Super Bad recently. You heard everyone heard us singing a second ago. So yeah, and then we have the kind of um, inciting moment where Barbie gets like flat feet, and we have all that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the idea is thrown out about like Barbie doesn't get embarrassed. This idea of Barbie like having no shame and mm-hmm. um, still a lot of comedic beats like put in that with like the. Uh, Kang Kingsley looking over with binoculars. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and then they're, you know, they're like, you're malfunctioning. Like you have to go see weird Barbie. Usually this is just hair related, um, yeah. which was Emma Mackey's best line. And then we get to weird Barbie. What did you think about weird Barbie? Uh, I mean, I love Kate McKinnon. I love the idea that Kate McKinnon and Ryan Gosling were in a skit together on SNL and like they, about aliens, about yeah. aliens and <laughs> then everything connecting. happened with aliens. Yeah. <laughs> All of these different cultural moments are coming together at once. It's a lot. Um, I kept getting the big comfy couch vibes um, okay. from if anybody remembers that TV show that's frightening about a woman dressed up <laughs> as a clown with a couch and there's like dust bunnies and she goes to live in the world of dust bunnies. And I believe she's like she is almost portrayed as a miniature versus the couch, which is like massive. I, I don't remember that show was wild. Uh, but I kept thinking of Kate McKinnon's role in this as weird Barbie as the big comfy couch woman. So I kept getting a little bit taken out of it, but I, I mm. love Kate McKinnon so much, but it was just so like animated and like the split stuff was like, 
it's just very extra, but it had to be. So I like don't. I'm, I'm, I feel I'm pretty indifferent on it, I guess. I like, yeah. I liked it. I also didn't. So I, I liked weird Barbie. Okay. Um, I, I liked the squeak that it made when she like did the splits and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, I do think though, like Kate McKinnon just brings like a different energy where I like, I'm very aware this is Kate McKinnon. Exactly. On, it's on like, the Oh, screen. Kate McKinnon's here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when she like did flips towards her, I think that maybe that the practical, like, um, image of her doing that i can tell it's like not her leg so it again it, like it takes me out in that certain aspect of it but I feel, like yeah, i feel like i'm watching a, a tv show on drugs or something yeah, like one of yeah. those weird children's shows <laughs> it is a lot yeah um i feel like if you went to i mean if you went to watch like a lot of movie i mean not movies tv Kids, shows from our childhood yeah. like a lot of them would be genuinely scary it's terrifying um yes. but yeah so then obviously she like sets up the the kind of plot of the movie that there was a portal that was ripped open in the between the Barbie world and the mm-hmm. real world and Barbie gets cellulite and she says like if you don't fix this you're going to get all sad and wishy and complicated like this is the moment in the movie where I, I truly had no idea where it was going yeah yeah um then she gives her the like red pill you know option like the high heel or the Birkenstock <laughs> and I actually genuinely like the line when so good. Uh, she, when Margot was like, I'm stereotypical Barbie. I don't want to go. I want everything to stay the same because mm-hmm. wh- I love Kate McKinnon's response. She's like, you're a bummer. Like I'm yeah. just bummed out by you. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. like don't want to learn or like <laughs> fix anything or be self-aware. Yeah. Kate McKinnon saves that role. Yeah. She plays it so straight. Yeah. Great. So, and then obviously we go to, um, the, the journey to the real world. Um, and, yes. and so they have the whole like, bon voyage to Barbie who's getting cellulite and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and then this scene is one of my, my other favorites, my underrated moments with Ken where <laughs> Simu Ken and Ryan Ken are next to each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Simu Ken says like, she's going without you. And Ryan Ken says, you're so lost. She literally asked me <laughs> <laughs> and, she, and he says like, no, no, I don't think she did. And Ryan Ken says, well, you've got both those things incorrectly. <laughs> and I bet in the opposite direction. Simu <laughs> Ken's like, which way is that? You don't even know. I, uh, for some reason, I love that scene. With that their, sounds like, like your, uh, your righteous gemstone teamer straws. Yeah. Yeah. It, you're right. It did feel like a scene with Danny McBride. That's yeah. so funny. Um, it is very righteous. Kelsey's been watching a lot of righteous gemstones lately. Yeah. Um, but I, I love that scene. And then obviously like we go to the whole like driving part. I was very confused at this point, like where everything was going from the like Las Vegas, you know, leaving Las Vegas idea of like Barbie land mm-hmm. and the car flips and there's like sparkles and stuff. Yeah. Um, I genuinely was like, what is happening? I figure we're about to enter a who frame Roger rabbit moment entering the real world. I just didn't know we would be there so long. Yeah. Not to step ahead, but yeah, I think, um, but that was like the, the least successful part of the movie. I did like the nod even before Ken becomes like sentient, um, and aware of the patriarchy. He asks Barbie if he can stay to go on the journey with him Mm -hmm. because he made a double bet with Ken and Barbie can't make him look uncool in front of Ken. And she says, Ken's not cool. And he's like, he is to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. And then, you know, he's like, what if there's beach there? You'll need someone who's a professional. And yeah, so yeah. then we get into the real world. How did you feel about them? Like, I like rollerblading through the real world beach. Um, I mean, I thought all the bits about like 
her seeing the construction workers and thinking that those are going to be women that would like respond to her in yeah. a positive way. She's like, we need some the whole, uplifting words. The message of like Ryan Gosling's Ken feeling like there was no undertone of violence when yeah. people were checking him out. Versus, I could only <laughs> for his I feel Robbie's what could only be described Barbie. as admired. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think, you know, again, Barbie doing a good job or Margot doing a good job of like getting that across that she felt like there was an undertone of violence around her. And I think the Supreme Court bit was funny. Oh, the, yeah. There were funny bits. Um, the Miss Universe Boulevard. Yeah, they're so smart. Yeah. Yeah. And I think them going to jail and then getting out of jail. I think. I it, love it. Did you notice it said Barbie on her um, her arrest photo? And then no. it said and Ken for Ken. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's really good. Uh, I Yeah, that doesn't go. To, I would say the first time I watched it, I loved it. The second time I watched it, I was like, this is going on a little long. But I think my brain was like, I know it's coming. And so then yeah. I couldn't love that moment as much as I did. Cause I think the first time I watched it, I was connecting it to the first act still, but then knowing what's coming in Mattel for as long as it is, I just, I feel like I'm like, we don't need to be doing this. It's turning into bits now yeah, and trying to sense. get past this hurdle of needing to like represent Mattel in this movie because the script is, you know, purposely, unfortunately has to be a little insecure about like the whole corporate part of the movie. Um, so yeah. So yeah, I mean, what, I mean, did you like the whole rollerblading through? Well, I think so. So setting it up in like kind of like three acts. Um, the first act I think like was so uh, amazing for Barbie's character. Mm-hmm. The middle act I think is is great for Ken's character. And then oh yeah, I guess I didn't even mention the patriarchy. Yeah, and then the third act is like both Barbie and Ken really. Um, just a lot of fun, like with both of their characters. Yeah. And even though Ken has more of like a splashy ending, mm-hmm. um, but, but I think this was the weakest part of the movie because I wanted, I, like I said, I wanted to get back to Barbie land so badly. Cause I just thought that again, the sets were so cool Yeah, and I just didn't feel like it was explored um, as, as much. I think when um, I, I'll talk about Ken in a second, cause I think that's the really successful part, but I think okay. when Barbie's like at the bus stop and she's trying to channel the connection with what is supposed to be like the little girl that she's trying to find. And she says, you know, that felt achy, but good. And it's like having mm-hmm. the experience of sadness for the first time. I think I just felt like the hands on the camera and like editing because we were just in a hyper pink heightened, Absurd. like, yeah, yeah, it was very clear. It was created by humans. And I, and I liked that. Right. Like I, I thought it was cool for that reason, but then we're taken to the real world with different and I, stakes. Yeah. yeah. And I felt the, um, the choices, um, and, yeah. and it's something that they couldn't kind of avoid because, um, because yeah. of that transition. But I just, I just felt like, okay, I'm supposed to be feeling sad while Margot is having, or Barbie's having this moment of like crying um, I did like the scene where she says you're so beautiful to the, the woman sitting at the bus stop. That was great. Um, yeah. That was effective. Obviously expect the, like the older woman to say thank you or be, you know, like caught mm-hmm. off guard. And she's like, I know it. <laughs> and yeah. I think that felt very much like a Francis Hogg Greta energy. Apparently she had to fight for that scene. Um, weird. Cause that Mattel. feels like the thesis of the movie. Yeah. In one line. Yeah. I don't huh. know why they, they wouldn't want it, but that's, that's what she said. And, um, I mean, it does feel out of place. Like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I was assuming because we were talking uh, before because we were listening to an interview. She said that she was she included fart jokes. Apparently, she's included fart jokes in all of her movies. I'm glad that, that they got Has cut she? out. Oh, have they cut them out? Of apparently. All the <laughs> apparently. 
<laughs> or maybe she said it. she had one in Little Woman and it didn't work out or something. Maybe not all of them. I mean, it was really but, stupid in Chazelle's Babylon, too. I guess yeah, there's just like I've a never need to there, do that. I was never there for a fart joke. Yeah. I don't know. I'm glad I got cut out. But anyway, so I was assuming that when she was talking about a scene um, or when we were thinking about a scene that would be cut out, it would be that one. But she said that she had to fight for that specific yes, scene with the older yeah. woman, which I thought was so interesting. But we do have that melody from the end of like, what am I made for instrumental mm, yeah. in that scene um, with the like wind and the trees that come back and seeing people like have complex lives um, that in Greta's lens are messy, but beautiful mm-hmm. idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I say that like, you know, yeah. um, I, I think it's nice. An it's a nice I- idea. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I think, and then also she has that later on where, when she meets Ruth uh, Handler's yeah. ghost in the third floor of Mattel, there's the same instrumental uh, Billie Eilish song of what am I made for that yeah. then at the end makes it like even more impactful as a song. It's already like an emotional song, yeah. um, but you feel like you've heard it before and you are connecting it to these moments of self-realization that Barbie has. But I think that being said, like, I didn't really, um, I, I didn't really have like a huge emotional response when she was sitting on the bench, like learning about life. Um, or when she goes to Mattel, like I didn't really, I wasn't connected to the, um, scene with her and her creator. Um, because again, it was that, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just like, I don't love that message in movies cause it feels too simple of like, uh, the creator being like, you know, that, I think she says something like life is complicated. That's why it's beautiful or well, something like that. I think the movie is com- trying to convince us that the origins of Barbie were, was a, a, a feminist idea. Okay. And that is what the, the pur- purpose is of that character of Ruth Handler and what maybe the, the, the movie feels like it's trying to be a revisionist piece of art, which mm-hmm. I, I just think we're not fans of, uh, i.e. our Oppenheimer podcast to a certain extent. And like when sometimes filmmakers are trying to like give their subjective interpretation of a point in history in order to get their artistic vision across. And also because it's commercially successful to repaint history in a certain light. And I think Gerwig does get away with that here with Barbie and how she paints Ruth Handler. Now, I don't know how much of that is Mattel on the script versus Baumbach and Gerwig. I would mm-hmm. assume Mattel had something to do with that and trying to reframe this movie as being built by woman yeah. or woman, even though men run it still. Yeah. I think that's, that's the uncomfortable element of that second act that doesn't work. Cause we all know we're sitting in the audience of a movie that is really profiting mostly men. And so yeah, it there's pay- this it, yeah, it inherent does paradox of the movie. Ruth's character seem like she is like the one in charge of Mattel or something. Yeah. I think, yeah. um, I think the Mattel headquarters scenes are like, uh, interesting for that reason. Cause I found them really funny. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people didn't, I, I genuinely enjoyed them. Like I thought the jokes hit with, um, like the Connor Swindell's character. Yeah. Like who's the nine to five worker. What does he say? He's like, um, he's like, uh, Will Ferrell asked him his name. He's like, Aaron Dickinson, Dickens, sir. Dickens. And he's a, <laughs> Aaron, Di- no, Aaron Dinkins, <laughs> sir. And he says, Aaron Dickens. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because when he said his name, I was like, is, did so he say funny. Dickinson? And then when Will Ferrell <laughs> says Dickinson, I'm like, wow, that was a really good writing to put that in my mind. Dinkins, sir. Uh, uh, I, I think yeah, all those jokes wow. are funny. I think it was good. The idea of Aaron sitting in a like Jacques Tati playtime oh, yeah. practical set and then having the FBI like, 
come into the screen and being like, this is a skipper situation again, yeah. where, um, where I guess skipper, like went out of the Barbie land at one point, went to Key West, tried to teach kids how to surf. Um, except this is Barbie. Like I, I, I thought it was funny. Well, um, I thought what they were trying to do was show that the nine to five corporate workers who are ultimately like victims to this, these men in room having 12 angry men arguments about Barbie dolls, like, and how to manipulate little girls and, and, and commodify sexism. I thought they, I thought the <laughs> whole point of that to show Connor Swindell's character is to give us like a little bit of empathy for these workers, you know, just like the mother in the film, America Ferreira's character and Connor Swindell's character, just being kind of like controlled by this corporation and them basically being mindless and, and almost like the dolls in the real world. I thought they were trying to create okay. some kind of parallel well, between the, the mindless dolls is, and then the mindless workers. She, her inspiration was like playtime. I mean, that's definitely, I think, what she was doing, but yeah, I don't think it, it gets across. It doesn't get across. Enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think anybody's walking away from this movie being like those, like the Connor Swindell's character is supposed to basically be Ken. Yeah. I don't think people are putting that together. Yeah. And also, I mean, like it, it was made clear with the idea of like sexism when he calls America Ferrera his like executive words lady. Right. And mm, they like yeah. correct him. Um, but I, but I think, I think you're right. Like, I don't think I, I wish that Connor Swindell's character got a little bit more to do because he is so amazing. That if actor- people have not seen uh, sex education, like might be the best actor Adam, in sex education. Uh, I mean, he also, it's also his arc, right? I, I think Shooty's really good. Yeah. yeah. Shooty's emotional performance. Emma like, Mackey's er- great too. Damn, Eric's also my favorite really character good. in sex education. Yeah. So, um, but Jackson's yeah, but they're like all the sex education actors like have so much depth, um, as performers. So mm-hmm. again, like I just wish they had more to do. And Aaron, I thought they were definitely going to use, uh, I'm using his character's name, <laughs> <laughs> Connor. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I, th- I thought they were going to actually give him more to do, but so I, I think just to kind of cap off this Mattel conversation in the second act that doesn't work. I think the reason why we can probably, imp- I think it's implied or I think we can infer rather that Mattel had a big impact on this part of the movie because Greta and Noah were so obviously trying to get us to look at Ken discovering the patriarchy in between mm-hmm. Barbie kind of being kidnapped by Mattel. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like that's happening like throughout the, the, it, the edit of this film is put, is put in such a way where it knows the Mattel part is the most unconvincing part of it. Yeah. I mean, maybe not the, yeah, I think the Mattel thing maybe is as far as like the, the idea of what Barbie is fighting, like being put in a box um, yeah. <laughs> or who is creating the, the ideas like that sell, right? Because yeah. at the end, uh, America Ferrera, it suggests ordinary Barbie and they say, Oh no, that will sell. Actually, let's do it. Um, so yeah, I think that is interesting. Like there is a kind of, uh, magic Ken sleight of hand to kind of have us have magic the funny Kenneth. bits with Will Ferrell and yeah. then quickly like scoot us away from that. I guess maybe that's true. I, I really enjoyed Will Ferrell's jokes though. sparkle female agency <laughs> yeah what do you think next after sparkle female agency <laughs> i also like when um we'll, we'll talk about the the school sequence in just a second but staying on mattel when barbie gets back to mattel and mm-hmm. will ferrell is like uh, you know well she asks like can i at least just meet the woman ceo or like yeah. is there is there a woman who works here and he's like i you know I see where you're going with that. And I like really resent it. Yeah. He's like offended. <laughs> yeah. Like I thought, I thought those were, um, 
we're good. I, I love when he's like, you know, there was a, a CEO in the nineties and another one at like some other time, Yeah, you know? And he's like, every one of these men loves a woman. I'm a son of a mother. Yeah. Does he say I'm a mother of a son? He might. Yeah. <laughs> he I think he say, does. I, I think he does say that. And but, everyone looks at him. Yeah. But, I, and then the, obviously the chase sequence, like I was just out on it. Um, are we going to talk about Ken? Discovering yeah. Patriarchy? Okay. Let's, let's, let's talk, talk about, about Ken because... now. Yeah. So, so Ken, while Barbie is having this moment at the bus stop, trying to connect with the little girl, find her to repair the, the rip in the space time continuum yeah. has his own journey. And it starts with him, um, which I thought was a very funny cut at being like, I, I hate when people think I get so bored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, just go on a walk. He's like, by myself. Kicks the ground. Yeah. Yeah. But then he gets to Century City Center, right? Yeah. And oh my, the hyper masculine energy, the menergy in the real world, that is the Kenergy in Barbie land. Like um, someone says, excuse me, man. And then uh, someone says, thanks, man. Yeah. And we have the overlapping of like, sup, man, men, 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 yeah, yeah, men yeah. with the Rocky posters. It's great directing. With Yeah, with the boxing. There's a Hummer that pulls up. Like the, the also the, the face performance mm-hmm. the expression of shock um from ryan gosling, gosling incredible like, as a toy experiencing the real world like truly learning about men being uh cool in this world or like having power in this world is phenomenal like he yeah. literally looks like woody from toy story <laughs> <laughs> truly like come to life yeah looking at these men on horses, like bewildered. Um, he, you know, when he's standing on the stairs and there's those three men talking and, um, and one of the men says like, not now, Margaret, he mimics that, that, he does uh, the hand gesture motion. (laughs) God, this is the moment where I wish we had video for the extra credits. This is, it is, it is wild. Just him realizing that men have power. And then the, the whole montage when he gets up, uh, at the top of the escalator of mini fridges and stocks mm-hmm. and sports and Rocky Balboa and men on dollar bills and like him becoming sentient with that space odyssey music mix. Yeah. Amazing. I th- it was one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's incredible. I mean, th- <laughs> I wasn't super into the horsepower metaphor at first, uh, just because I just thought silly. it's such a weird masculine thing to pull on because it, it just feels like Noah Baumbach wrote that one for sure. Well, it seems like, yeah, because like, do, do, do I think of horses when I think of, I think it's a really funny men. way to I guess re- he's dressed reduce as a cowboy. Yeah. I think it's, it, I'm well, the Rocky influences did more for me in terms of like critiquing the culture and like interrogating sure. pop culture and, and what movies that we enjoy, especially the Creed three being in theaters. So recently like Rocky is in the back of our minds. So I think that was really smart and maybe just accidentally good timing. What I love most about that scene, the patriarchy scene is it's parroting the most fragile elements of masculinity. And I thought that was a really smart idea to get most men to laugh at their own hubris or pride or even like the worst parts of their identity, but in like the smallest ways. And like, I totally understand the progressive criticisms of the scripts, like soft critique on a system of power, uh, like patriarchy that actually has severe consequences. And Maybe the movie is making a joke out of the lightest forms of patriarchy. Maybe that isn't the greatest idea, um, especially because, like, frankly, we understand that the script, Barbie and Mattel are, are kind of commodifying a basic understanding of patriarchy. So, so the movie is really making money off of, like, this understanding that women are, like, hopelessly oppressed. Um, but I still think it's, like, effective in the sense of, like, men being able to laugh at these small 
though reductive, but like still effective ways to laugh Yeah, like a buy-in. Yeah, there were um, criticisms of the idea of reducing the the power that men hold um, to horsepower to yeah to yeah. these like comedic bits um but i but i think that like th- there is um i i think that I, because the movie is kind of like surface level in how far it decides to go i i kind of forgive it in that way because it really is just trying to point out the absurdity like in in places like later yeah. on um when they say uh, you basically, when they're breaking the spell of the Barbies, like you gave voice to why the patriarchy um, is absurd, mm-hmm. and therefore you like robbed it of its power. I forget who says that. I think it maybe Margot's character might mm-hmm. be Barbie, um, but or may, or maybe it was America Ferrera. I forget who. Someone says that like after America Ferrera gives her speech. And I was like, okay, wait, because <laughs> that's not, that's not all that has to happen to Rob, <laughs> like, uh, or, you know what I mean? Like lessen yeah. the power of a huge system. But immediately I just kind of like, um, stepped off the gas because the movie is kind of surface level in that way. Um, yeah, I mean, and so the- I, I kind of gave it room. Yeah. I mean, the movie doesn't need to tell us how to dismantle patriarchy. Yeah. It doesn't need to do that, but I think it's fine to feel conflicted. That's why I think the critiques are right on. Yeah. To feel com- I totally understand. Conflicted by Barbie and, and it's, it's social message as well as like how we were conflicted about Oppenheimer. I think both movies weirdly like develop, like I said earlier, like a textually coherent film somehow that is both crowd pleasing and thematically resonant. And the box office shows improves that too, as well as the numbers and potentially awards coming up in the next six months. But also, Barbie and Oppenheimer weirdly both struggle to escape this like inherent flaw of not knowing how to balance a critique and an homage to the mythology around Barbie as a construct. And then Oppenheimer, the very real figure, uh, which I know we're in the minority with Oppenheimer on that take, but I do think weirdly that both movies struggle on trying to figure out what exactly they are yeah. socially responsible for. Yeah. And, and trying I, to represent on screen. And I think like Barbie obviously gets more leeway as a comedy, right? Like if this were a drama, totally. I would have different standards, but yeah. Um, I, I think so then, then an extension of this, like Ken realization of the patriarchy, um, Barbie realizes she has to go to the school and Ken realizes like that men rule the world. I think that's what he says. Like like, I need to find somewhere where I can start patriarchy. Yeah. And, um, (laughs) and so then we, we go to the Davy Crockett middle school and is that what it's called? Yeah. And, and she goes, look, it was like what I saw in my vision. And he goes, a man on a horse. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, I, I just think like Uh the lines of him, like going to the library to find books on trucks. Um, And then also having the question of, you know, someone asks him a parent at the school or someone who works there says like, uh, sir, do you have the time? Yeah. I think it is someone picking up their kid from school. You respect and he me. says, you respect me. So smart. It's great writing. Um, and, and he's like, you know, why didn't Barbie tell me about the patriarchy? And he's like, which I, if I understand it correctly, like where men on horses run everything. And <laughs> she's like, that's basically it. And you know, he has a, a banger line of, I shall seek my fortune there. Yeah, It's so it's great. Good. Um, before we talk about Ken going into the world, should we, or maybe we should talk about it, I guess. Because well, I feel like we should probably stay at the middle school or high school, right? Stay at the middle school. Okay. Or, or is yeah, it middle I don't know. school or high school. It's high school. Oh wait, right? I think it's middle school. Davy Crockett middle school. I oh, said, okay. Right? Interesting. I think. 
Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. But I, I think that the character Sasha is supposed to be representing like a middle high school, like teenage character. Yeah. Are we going to talk about this? Um, yes. Cause we got to okay. break this down. So, so then we, this is the part that doesn't work for me when Barbie's in the real world. Um, we have the kind of like cringy, uh, Barbie walking up to kids at the table, like Gen Z dressed in all black. Um, while I don't think that I, I do appreciate like the idea of having the moment of someone telling Barbie, like, you know, this is, this is everything that's wrong with Barbie. Like, uh, there's this idea of like unrealistic body standards, like sexualization. Yes. And you, you destroy like girl self-esteem and the environment with your rampant consumerism. 50 years. Yeah. Um, calling her a fascist. Like that was all funny. I don't control the railways or the flow of commerce. (laughs) That's all good. That's all good. I just think that the Gen Z representation is like cringy to me. Um, and this character, Sasha. Yeah. I think this is like probably a, uh, maybe just a call for all directors. Like, Maybe hire teachers. You know what I mean? Uh, to be consultants. One more time for people in the back. <laughs> hire teachers to come write or help write on scripts if you're going to try to just highlight have anything with the a young generation. System, who would know education. better than the teachers? They yeah. see kids for who they truly are. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, the Sasha character is really weird and so are, are her friends because they are written as like skater anarchist punk rock. Yeah. I was like, is this what she thinks Gen vibes? Z? And I'm like, like, why are these Gen X kids being transported into these Gen Z <laughs> <laughs> kids? Like, I felt like I was watching yeah. Edward Furlong's character in Terminator 2, John Carner, John, John Connor, where I'm like, why are these kids acting like they listen to Nirvana? Like what is going on here? Something is not right. Uh, so I guess it makes sense for Baumbach and Gerwig to assume that a young generation would be like how they, cause you know how like, when you listen to people who aren't teachers talk, they're like, well, kids are just kids. They they don't really change. It's like what they listen to changes or like what movies they're watching changes. And it's like, no, they're different. Yeah. 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 I think it, it was definitely interesting also to see like Sasha um, Greenblatt's character, like also continued into the movie, like with that kind of uh, yeah. I guess characterization. She, I guess she does have a resolution because she does end up being the one who wants to save or help yes. comfort Barbie. Yeah, um, and, and, and it's sees ultimately the importance of this what Barbie represents. Yeah, and it's ultimately like repairing their relationship, um, which mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think I fully realized until like a second watch um, that she's kind of doing what the Lady Bird um, mm-hmm. and Little Woman uh, idea of repairing a mom daughter relationship, like through this idea of the the toy, um, that's right? Her, like that's Barbie's weapon. Yeah, space time continuum. Um, yeah being broken um is similar to like the the mother daughter's uh i don't know t- fabric <laughs> emotional fabric being ripped i think it's um something that she was interested in even though this wasn't her writing i think this was in the original text of uh louisa may alcott's book but when uh the mom in little woman says i'm angry every day of my life like i think mm-hmm. she tries to capture that idea of uh like when uh, Gloria says like, I could never get to do anything. Yeah, of course I'm going to go to this like completely made up world at any risk. <laughs> right. Like she's trying to, yeah. to have that kind of relationship between the character and a, a daughter not being aware of what her mother like goes through. Mm-hmm. Um, those are similar things with lady bird, although they like, you know, lady birds, obviously the main character there. So yeah, it leans more towards, uh, towards lady bird, but okay. So, so back to, 
the real world before we go back to Barbie world. I love when Ken goes after he realizes that someone asked him for the time and respects him there. Yeah. And he, you know, sees the, the fake fur coat that he brings back later. He says like, um, I'll take the a high level job with influence, please. Yeah. To that, to that guy. And the guy says, you know, and actually like you probably need an MBA. Like, yeah. And Ken says, you clearly aren't doing patriarchy very well. So I think, good. does he have all his books in his hand at that point? I think so. <laughs> it felt like a deleted scene that they kept in the movie. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. And I loved um, that. The guy was like, Oh no, we're, we're doing it. Just hiding uh, it. Just hiding yeah. it better. Yeah. And, and then he's like, I can't even beach here. Like he tries <laughs> to go get a job as a lifeguard, but he only has beach skills. Um, I, I think that was good. I also liked, uh, just before we leave the real world, um, I liked when they tried to put Margot back in a box, like a symbolically, like it just made sense for what they were going for. Like this idea yeah. of putting people in boxes for expectations. You know what I mean? Um, they're really hammering it home yeah. at that point. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, I think it's great if you're like 12, if, if you have 12 year olds in this yeah. movie, theater, like actually really great image yeah um it symbolically it means a lot but like i don't know as like adults watching the movie it does feel like a lot yes yeah Yeah. i mean i mean i think it's probably difficult because it's like um who is the movie made for it's really tough to make choices based off of that you're making a toy movie but obviously like the movie is not made for children specifically like they're yeah um, that's interesting yeah so i guess I, I mean, I feel like kids are going to want to watch this movie. No, yeah. I think, like I, mean, our, I think she made it high with teenagers in mind. Watch this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, um, and I just, I don't know if she like made it for like little kids. Oh no. You yeah. know, like Pre- I, preteens. I, yeah. Well, I she, it. she, in an interview, she said like she trusts kids to be interested in concepts. They don't kind of understand. It was like the movies that she was the most interested in. Mm-hmm. I feel kind of the same. Like I was interested in movies where I felt like I didn't fully get something or like yeah. there's something deeper there. Like maybe I didn't get all the jokes and, um, yeah. And she talked about that idea, but I think she did, uh, talk about like make being aware that kids would see it, but like ultimately like making it for adults because I mean, I, like I, I there also, was an in-sync joke, like none yeah. of my, I, I know that none of my students, um, are like know who in-sync is. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny to like All think back at yourself as a child and be like, this is why I wasn't like 10 years old watching Ridley Scott's alien and being like, ah, or like Matchbox 20 or like, like, I mean, there was obviously pop music yes. in it and like, Billie well, Eilish there are cultural it, references but, that yeah. I was completely like out. I didn't yeah. understand like the Matchbox thing. Like I did the push song. Like I, it's called push, right? Yeah. I had no cultural connection right. to, yeah, that's I like, had no connection to, um, the British, uh, BBC version of, Pride and, Pride and Prejudice. Prejudice. Like, yeah. I there think, were certain things yeah. I just like had no. Not like that specifically. Like I wasn't. Language for. I wasn't like, oh, okay. Like Starburst. Like I hate Starburst or anything like that. But I think yeah. there were like stand-ins for like the idea of depression Barbie. Like people feeling like they're like feeling aimless and binging a show. And yeah. like until they go to bed. Like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that that idea. So I felt like that was a fine stand-in. But you're right. Like some of the uh, references, um, missed me they as missed, far as like, they missed yeah. us, but I think it's a good point to say that it's multi-generational, which yes, is just a really impressive so. text. Yeah. Again. Um, okay. Before we leave the real world, um, number one, uh, Ruth, uh, who created Barbie was Matilda mom. Oh, wow. Um, the star cowboy outfit that Barbie wears is awesome. The okay. cowboy, <laughs> the cowboy, 
I, I was ready for like a fact. And just- <laughs> the cowboy suit that um, that Ken wears with tassels. People have clipped together that Schmidt from New Girl wore that same costume to a party in New Girl. A Tuesday. On a Thursday. Oh, is it a Thursday? I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I forget. Uh, tag, Love girl. Tag Romney. Apparently, though, <laughs> um, I heard Greta talk about in an talk interview Romney. like for, I think it was a little woman press run. She talked about being friends with the writer of New Girl. Oh, so wow. Maybe. Maybe it was a purposeful suit. That's um, sick. I would I would love to know. Um, and then also though we have to talk about the thing that was like the worst part of the movie for me, which was the car chase sequence. It felt like a car commercial. Everyone said it. Yeah, it's, it's just we're just regurgitating beat. what other yeah. people have said, but it truly it is a car commercial. Well, it's I mean it's telling that everyone said it. Like I because I didn't like hear that and I was like oh yeah I felt that I literally thought that immediately because of the way it's shot. Like I, I felt like poor Greta immediately because I knew that they she's, probably made her she's good. put that in there, but okay. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, um, and then also I talked, about I would love the, it if it was the opposite and Greta's like, just secretly like, I need to cash in a little bit more. Can we throw like, <laughs> no, can we get a car company? She in definitely here? did not do that. But, um, and then I, obviously I talked about the, um, America for Margot Robbie idea of like locking eyes for a moment, like the Francis Hall moment, the secret world that they have. Yeah. And, Barbie realizes that, oh my God, like I came for you. Those were your memories. I, I think the emotional song plays again. Um, you know, the Billy Eilish song, but instrumental. Yeah. I think just before we leave, we just have to say like, this is bad. objectively the worst part of the movie. And like, it really bad. makes it feel like even like, it just makes it feel hollow. Um, feels like a Hulu movie. Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't have any kind of like, tough. there's no vision there in the chase scene. It's just really, I mean, it's a, I know they're trying to include like an action point of the movie. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, that is the scene where they're supposed to have Margot like realize that it was actually, she was coming back for Gloria and not Sasha, but it's just, yeah. Anyway. Okay. So let's get to the, besides the beginning of the movie where we're in Barbie land, like the best part of the movie we have uh we have to be introduced to the stakes that this is a bad thing that that humans are in barbie land mm-hmm. and <laughs> um i think it's will ferrell you mean who Ken says Lind. i mean kenland yeah Ken, kendom please, please i think he says kendom <laughs> the kendom <laughs> yeah and and will ferrell says like you know this could be this could mean horrible things and there are two lines one one of the guys or maybe he says them both he's like a podcast hosted by two young trees yeah, uh, or a choir of all young fathers. <laughs> Just thought it was so funny. I wonder what the other takes were, but uh. then, you know, uh, Barbie gets there. She's ex- explaining to Sasha that everything that men do in your world, like women do in ours, which is something they have to sort of correct later. It's kind of the messiest part of the movie. Um, this idea that the roles are flipped with power, um, with women ruling Barbie land and oh, like, you mean the like Ken's the, having no power. The because, parallels between matriarchy and yeah, patriarchy. Yeah, because then yeah. it's, um, there are certain pieces where uh, it is kind of called attention to when it doesn't need to be that like, well, if that is the dynamic and if the world, or the power in the worlds are flipped, then are the Ken's woman in the real world? And I don't think, obviously there are like a lot of um, similarities as far as like 
holding power. But at the end when they're like, no, you can't have like a seat on. Yeah. The, Issa Rae's so, president says you can maybe be a, yeah. a district judge. Yeah. Like stuff. Yeah. So, um, and then Helen Mirren, the narrator comes over and says, you know, one day, like just like woman in the real world, like maybe Ken's can have power, but the Ken's are made as such a joke. It's you a know, cringe moment that it, yeah. that it is not a good parallel to make. And I think that's like a part where I totally understand if someone wants to critique that kind of, idea because then it also if you're looking at this like this idea um that isn't fully closed uh it it then asks people to like ask our woman like ken in the real world which they're not because ken are ken's are fools like <laughs> so right. um yeah so anyway i mean it's the whole problem with the movie is it's like kind of reducing patriarchy to a joke yeah and so it's, so then it has like it's an inherent issue holes the there right one so, of the big two ones yeah right so then we um get to kendom and barbie's like wait everything's going wrong there the kens are playing volleyball a true homage to top gun they're in jeans um That's and true, yeah. <laughs> the cheerleaders are the barbies and they're dressed like nfl like football cheerleaders mm-hmm. handing kens like brewski beers we cut to Ryan Ken and he's explaining how the real world is run by men. And for a minute he like thought it was horses, but they're just an extension <laughs> of men and <laughs> that uh, everything exists to expand the presence of men. And is that an actual line? Yeah. That's I what just he forgot says. That one. Yeah. yeah. And uh. then I think Margo shows up and he says, don't question it. Just roll with it. Tiny baby. <laughs> tiny baby so funny and then ken obviously like iconic line of the mojo dojo casa house uh which gloria and sasha like obviously ridicule him for and yeah he uh says that he basically like that that barbie can like stick around only if she's there to stay as his bride wife or his long distance is it low commitment girlfriend? Yeah, I think so. yeah. <laughs> and just the, the set here also of Kendom and the Ken's, you know, uh, doing a HGTV, uh, patriarchy flip of yeah. the Barbie dream homes. Like there's a foosball table and then there's a small plastic foosball table on top of that foosball table. I did not notice that. And, wow. Like there's That's a lot really of good. great things like, you know, stacked solo cups, um, there's like a lot of Cheetos on the, the plastic pool, which we didn't talk about. It was so cool when uh, Margot came off the slide and like walked on the pool that first moment. Um, but but also the costumes. Amazing. They're really Ken's good. fake fur coat. It's lined with horses on the inside. Yeah, the Italian stallion Rocky stuff is really good. Yeah, his lightning bolt headband. Yeah. It's great. Um, And then and then we have that the whole like the, just this like joke on the performance of like men and and having like sympathy, right? Barbie says basically the world, the real world does not have it figured out because we failed them. Like Barbie's failed Mm -hmm. the little girls who she originally thought everyone was going to go like hug her and thank her that Barbie made everyone have equal rights. Yeah. And she says, no, we failed them. And (laughs) Ryan, no, you failed me. Yes. Yeah. That was one of the best moments because it, it is kind of a shout out to the moment in the dream ballet where he says, am I not hot? Like when I'm emotional? Cause I mean, Emma Mackey's Barbie flutters when he gets emotional. Yeah. When he car. does, when it he does the, so you me. Funny. do you think that the movie, uh, struggles to actually speak to men in any real way? Not that it needs to, but let's just go on that for a second. Uh, 
considering that most men, if not all men in the audience, don't relate to Ryan Gosling's character at all, but instead they relate to the husband at home doing uh, Duolingo. Oh, interesting. Do you know what Uh, I mean? Yeah. I think, I don't know. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say that they um, have, like, I've heard a lot of men's reaction to, like, cry or connect again. Um, Connect again? Yeah, like the end. Like where emotionally? He gets, yeah, the end where he gets emotional. I've heard uh, people say, and anecdotally, that like they've brought their fathers and like they have cried. What? Um, oh wow. Yeah, but I don't. But again, I don't know because I didn't get. I didn't like hear the specifics. It was really just on like um, podcasts and stuff. Never of, like, mind. Feeling like an emotional connection to, I guess, what Ken feels at the end, which is that he doesn't know his identity or something, and he yeah. feels like this crippling. I don't know. I just pressure. figured I, I thought it was just so ironic that a Noah and Greta movie kind of missed the mark on the man that needs to be criticized the most for uh, being a uh, benefactor from patriarchy is the husband of Gloria at home. I thought that would that that character and like what masculinity he represented was way more interesting to me. That was like in the kind of periphery of the movie. Yeah, but you can't like because all the jokes are played either on Will Ferrell and like the, the stereotype corporate, figures yeah, yeah. or the dolls. You can't like make you it can't, too real. Yeah. Because the yeah. other, because the, the dolls are like a dream world of the, the real world. Sort of. So I, I don't, I guess I'm I understand saying, we what you're We don't saying, have a man though. Gloria in the movie. If that makes sense, there's no man version of Gloria. So there's no kind of like sec, there's no person to go along with Ken. I yeah, guess that's to like kind of look to kind of see their, their faults that yes, Ken exactly. is representing. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, I know. I think it's a good point. Like, I think that there are things that people definitely said they felt like were were rightful jabs, like the Godfather or the Zack Snyder cut mm-hmm. um, things. Like, I've seen people. Oh, my God. The Zack Snyder thing that actually a, did hit. That was really it's good. It's very funny. Yeah. But I think ultimately you're right. Like, the idea that Ken uh, is in love with horses. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't I don't know. Like, I, I don't think it's as cutting as it could be, but also it's very funny. And I'm like, okay with it. Like we talked about earlier. It's just like the most simplistic, weird, quirky, like ideas of like patriarchy brought to life. Yeah. I do love when, uh, Ryan, when he tells everyone that like the lady want, he said one lady, she even asked me for the time. And he like, is wearing all these watches on his wrists. (laughs) Um, and then obviously he's like, yeah, if, great image. If it weren't for all these technicalities, like MBAs, I could have ruled that world. But I'm Ken here, and that's enough. And like, <laughs> and then like, you know, Ken talking to Barbie, like trying not to kiss her. Like he still, <laughs> he still is in love with Barbie. Like, um, every night is boys' night. Double sunglasses. Yeah. Are you serious? Double cat eye sunglasses is amazing. And then Barbie, take your lady fashions with you. Like. <laughs> just some a great shit from Ryan Gosling and yeah. and then the the Barbie sequences because she is a doll and Ryan Ryan is getting this whole like hilarious arc and um and Margot's character Barbie is like dealing with these kind of supposed to be real world complex feelings mm-hmm. it feels a little like off here but I still really enjoy being in Barbie land yeah still in this like third act like when so Barbie then is having conversations with Gloria about like life changing and 
And Gloria says like, that's, that's what life is. Like it changes all oh, the this time. Oh, when Barbie gives up. Yeah. These very yeah. like straightforward life is messy things again, that I'm just like, not really into like being explicit, um, like as dialogue and, and, you know, Barbie says like, that's terrifying. She has the tantrum. I do like the idea though of Barbie being like quote unquote stereotypical Barbie, like not wanting to really, she's not affected by possibly like what's going on. So she doesn't want to, Yeah, she wants to let the politician woman, the leader. Yeah. She says, I'm Barbies. hoping like one of the leadership oriented Barbies snap out of that it. That felt right? like a critique on Francis Ha or something. It felt like a, a little bit of Definitely like a, like a self- privileged yeah, yeah. idea of, of dealing with like issues. I, I, I agree. Like, I love that's when why I like has that. moments of those in her movies. I wish there was a whole movie that had that yeah. theme. Yeah. And Anyways, then we yeah. had the commercial of depression Barbie. Um, we have Gloria and Sasha trying to leave, but, um, Alan <laughs> and Alan tries to go with them. Um, I love when he <laughs> says, I can't sit on one more leather couch. It will break my spirit. <laughs> and like, at this point he has a horse patch on his clothes Yeah, and they're like, you can't come with us. You know, like there you'll mess up the real world. This is why there are problems right now. Cause like humans and Barbies are in each other's worlds. He said, no one cares about Alan. All of NSYNC, Alan, Alan, iconic line. I loved it. Um, as a big NSYNC fan in growing up. Um, and then I, I just like loved the idea of him getting his own like John wick sequence. It's no one's talked about that. Alan has a <laughs> matrix moment in this movie and no one is talking about it. It's so cool. He's like, if they learn how to build that wall sideways instead of up, I'm in trouble. So funny. <laughs> and then they decide to go back. He's like, I'm never going to get out of here. Um, and, and then we have that whole like weird Barbie plan sequence, right? Where the, the Barbie's like, I was not a writer. Like I didn't deserve this Nobel prize. And, and that was obviously like juxtaposed with Barbie at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. being like, I deserve this, which even though it was like very straightforward, I actually really enjoyed that aspect of the idea of, especially for like younger girls who are going to see this or just young kids in, in general who are mm-hmm. going to see this, like the idea of, of not being like egotistical or narcissistic, but Confident. like, yeah. So and, what, and what you're successful at and also just like confidently ambitious. That's a big thing for Greta. Yeah. It's a huge through line of all of her lead characters and Lady Bird or Joe and Alan Barbie just kind of like openly ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have the whole um, like plan that is is established to throw over the Kendom to get power back. And we get that shot of Ken, the Kens taking over everything. Um, and they're like in the, the Capitol, like waving a horse flag yeah. and they're like trying to, uh, I haven't heard really anyone talk about this, but trying to like, uh, over or, or take away Barbie rights. Like that had to be something that was a conversation. I think they just try to imply it without yeah. saying it. Yeah. Um, cause remember it's not a feminist movie. Right. Mattel. All right. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> so, so I think that, so yeah funny that, that, was, that they wouldn't sell the movie as that yeah the whole contemplation um or compilation of all the kens like overthrowing everything um very january 6 vibes of the kens yeah <laughs> right did you think yeah. that too yeah, totally um, and then we have the whole speech of like it's impossible to be a woman um and talking about the parallel between like the contradictions of existing expectations for women like and barbie is also feeling this like as a doll um so so we had the whole speech i i'll say the speech like while i i feel like um and 
in an interview, uh, America Ferrer said that she was so happy to get this part, um, like this dialogue, this speech moment, because she doesn't know anyone who is a, a woman who who doesn't think this is like true for them um, or this isn't true for that. Obviously, like life is there are so many contradictions or like expectations, really impossible expectations um, to live up to. And so mm-hmm. like I, while I think that it is true as far as like what the sentiment of the the dialogue is or the speech is. Um, and I also really liked the line of, I'm just sick of seeing women tie their themselves into knots. So he will like them. Like, mm-hmm. I think all those things are great. I just felt like the speech felt clunky to me. It felt a little corny. Um, and it, and I think it's more so because, um, I, I think the speech felt like really heavily written, um, and we have higher expectations for Greta and Noah yeah. who are writing a movie that had been so smart up until that point yeah. and so well executed where this did feel out of place. Even if, again, what you're saying is totally agree. The sentiment is there and everyone should be feeling that in the room, this kind of like resonant message getting across. But it but it almost feels like it's like, OK, insert the important theme and monologue here. Right. Um, yeah. And then the filmmaking doesn't help because the camera's going from face to face, just kind of like, which I, being I get the idea of well, the character doing this, not only admiring being like, I feel seen in what she's saying. Like that's what she's trying to communicate by going to all the different like faces. Yeah. But I'm, I think if we were in a, uh, another film where we weren't giving so much of a benefit of the doubt, yeah. um, a male filmmaker, for example, I think we would be like, this is a corny scene. And even if the sentiment is there, they could have done this in a different way. Um, and I think, it's not too much to ask. It's a hundred million dollar movie. This is yeah, a lady. That's, bird, that's so. fair. I think, I think ultimately like the, the idea Greta does this in other movies too, right? Like little woman, uh, Joe has a speech. Oh yeah. And, but with we're, I mean, we spend the whole movie with Joe though. So like it, it hits a little harder. Yeah. It's um, not the act. Yeah. It's not the act. Yeah. Either, so it's America not Ferreira like, yeah. It. America yeah. Ferrer does a great job like with this. It's just really, I think the idea of it, like, also, I think there's something rhythmic about how Noah and Greta usually write. And this felt like off for some reason. Like it felt like offbeat, mm-hmm. um, even though what they're doing is already kind of offbeat in their own way. Um, I, I can't explain it, but it felt like um, I, and it didn't even feel like preachy or anything like that. That That's not what I'm trying it to say. It felt like a moment from a drama put into an absurd satire. It felt, yeah, it kind of felt like a, a TV show moment. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? Like yeah, it felt, no. Because t- TV shows Cut like usually, yeah. yeah, like have um, the, usually are, are dealing with in maybe some like ideas that have to be a little bit more Melodramatic. universal. Um, oh, that too, yeah. In, in a way that feels uncomplicated mm-hmm. but not that you need to complicate i don't i don't know you don't need to complicate the idea of women having impossible expectations yeah um but it I, there was something off about it that didn't that i that i immediately was like huh i don't i'm not emotionally connecting to this even though i, I recognize it as true and probably like very important um i think yeah. it was just the idea of like drop speech here i like felt that with the hands on the script sure yeah anyway um i still think it's an important like scene to have in the movie um, and then we have the whole, like, let's get back our power and capture all of the Barbies that yeah. have been indoctrinated. And this is like the, the best, uh, like part of movie references, this idea of 
the Ken's wanting to like Ken'splain things, right? Like the Godfather, the Godfather yeah. um, like tell them you've never seen it and tell them you want them to explain it to you through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the a movie, thankfully, we have no connection to. Because um, <laughs> if we did, I would have had like some real masculine cringe. Well, it's so funny because we like we both were like, well, I don't know anyone who would explain the godfather to me obviously guy. that is a huge a single guy friend thing that yeah would relate to that scene at all. <laughs> but i but i know but we also don't have a lot of friends who are like invested in film yeah but i think that's the point right if you ask any random guy what their what the best movie ever made is they'll probably say something superficial like the godfather yeah i guess i thought it was like a joke of uh even if like someone wasn't into film or like you could apply this to other sectors too. Sure. Um, just mansplaining. In yeah. Just like yeah. the idea of uh, like saying like, Oh, other people think this is important. Just how at the beginning of the movie, like Barbie said, Ken's not cool. And then Ken said, he is to me. He is you know? to me. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, And then we have the like eighties rom-com scene where uh, they're like, put glasses on your face and like, let him take it off. So now he can like discover your beauty. And it was so, <laughs> I, I loved that, that scene with Ryan Gosling, especially like coming out from under the car and like winking at her. And he's like, now I can see your pretty face. Yeah. Um, and especially a, a great one was the like cut to all the Ken's of like, here, let us show you. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. It was great. Um, so then obviously like then we have that whole, thing happening with in the van uh, and all, all the Barbies and Alan are taking <laughs> people. And then Gloria is telling all the Barbies like, you know, you have to reject men's advances without hurting their ego. And then they like pop back to reality of their like true Barbie powerful selves. Um, I like it less with you explaining it. Oh, but I don't mean that. In, it's not a criticism no, I know, of you. I, know you didn't, I, know I just sound, it that. sounds really dumb. Like when you say it out loud, Well, it is real. I think so. So I know I'm not saying it, it sounds dumb because you're supposed to take it so seriously, but even the comedy of it, it sounds just like, Oh, I think the. I mean, I think the comedy's funny. The Ken thing. Let me show yeah. you it works. But the idea that this human comes into their world and fixes them. Well, I think so. There was this idea um, that I said earlier. I forget who says it, but they said by explaining uh, this, like all these contradictions, you rob the patriarchy of its power. And I think Greta is, of course, like nodding to the idea of consciousness raising, like from the women's movement of meeting to talk about issues that women are, are experiencing and, and just really like bring awareness to it. And then, in a way that like takes away power or like uh, in, in a way. Right. But not real, not like technically, you know, so I think saying if women are aware of patriarchy, then they can get out from underneath. Exactly. Yeah. That, that it's yeah. So that like piece of it, obviously like then if I was immediately aware of that, um, then going into the kind of like ah, snapping women, like out of their, you know, reality, obviously like it's not truly robbing, uh, patriarchy of its power. So yeah, yeah, but I, but I still appreciated the bits. Like it was funny, Yeah, yeah. even though it's very simplistic, but again, because it's such a comedy, um, and we are about to go to our Ken ballet. Uh, I, let's get to that because that's incredible. So then we're at the end stages of this plan. Barbie goes back to Ken's dojo, uh, whatever, Casa House. Casa House. 
And there's like a small basketball hoop near his front door with a eight ball, an eight ball backboard. No, I didn't um, notice that. Wow. <laughs> and Barbie's like, I'm, you know, I'm ready to like be your long distance, low maintenance girlfriend. He's like, <laughs> Oh, you've caught me reading. I went, so I went to see this a third time and I wasn't with a huge crowd this time, which by the way, it was so fun to see this movie with a crowd. Cause it was like a huge event Yeah. when he yells sublime sublime. It's a, it's a all time moment for the movie. It's at one of the highest of the highs. Uh, I like, I it felt like improv. Yeah. The way I it was laughed, delivered. And I was the only one who let out like a laugh, um, in the smaller theater. I don't yeah. know if people were shy, but I thought it was a genuinely like one of the funniest moments of the movie. Sublime. <laughs> um, okay. Then we, uh, go to the, Oh, Oh, this was the final stage, right? Where Barbie's like, um, listening to the four hours of of Ken singing at her. Right? When they he cut says, to the four in, hours, I'll play the guitar at you. It's a laugh out loud moment. And every time I've seen the movie, <laughs> I'll play the guitar at you four hours later on the beach. Yeah. And is the joke of that? Because I don't know that song at all. But is the joke of that moment supposed to be the people in the moment of listening to Push when it came out that they didn't realize the 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 lyrics of the song were so problematic. So someone could explain the, the song to us. But when I listened to Greta talk about it, she was like very charitable of the song. She didn't want to talk badly about, I guess like who's the band matchbox. Um, but she said that she understood the song to be like a character, but the lyrics are like pretty tough. So, um, she obviously like purposefully used it for, the lyrics the satirical and just, reason. Yeah. Just even the idea that I'm assuming that like this was a pub published song, even as a character, it's like kind of wild. So when Ken singing it at Barbie, um, like I want to like push you around. Well, like I will, it's just, it's so like obviously like, dark, but so funny. Right? No, it is. Yeah. And, 96, 1996. Wow. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just hilarious. This idea of like, it cuts back to the Kens because the Barbies, you know, he's like, who are you texting? They're mm-hmm. like giving, not giving them full attention while they're singing at them. Um, and we have the Kens plotting war when they get back to their, uh, dojo, whatever Casa house. houses, yeah. there's like best buy flat screens of horses running like all over their house. Hell yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> and, uh, they're, they're talking about like going to war with the Kens and they're talking about how they're going to tell each other apart from the other Kens. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I genuinely had no idea this was coming. Okay? It's incredible. Incredible. It is my favorite part of the whole movie. And I, and I know that people it's have my been, second favorite part. Yeah. I know that people have been like saying, obviously like how could a Ken piece of the movie um, like people keep talking about Ken being the best part of the movie in a Barbie movie. Like they suck for that. Basically I'm saying that making fun of Ken is the best part of a Barbie movie because it uplifts the idea of, of bar not Barbie, but you know what I mean? Like it yeah. is making fun of the, the toxic masculinity that they're playing on. Like that's, that's like the best part in this Ken dream ballet that doubles as a war story. Well, it's like, how can we reduce what men find so uh, romantic about their identity and history? Mm-hmm. How can we reduce it to silly? Yeah. And the horses didn't really work for me, even though I thought they were funny. Rocky was effective, though I thought kind of like ultimately weak for what this movie could be doing. Doing it with war is really, really like actually 
the the only transgressive part of this movie that is that I I've not heard people talk about seriously, but she is like Greta and Noah are kind of exploring war as an idea of fragile men fighting one another over yeah. their own insecurities. And like that is great. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Or at the very least, like I think that is what they're doing, but at the very least, like this idea of aggression, right? And how Ken, yeah. because of his insecurity, no matter what he seems to do, he's always number two. Yeah. And he goes to war against the other kids um, because he needs to basically like prove himself that he is number one. Mm-hmm. And there's like the, of course, the arrows, like the sticky arrows, the tennis rackets, the paddle boats, mm-hmm. like sh- showing up to shore. Um, in it, that's why it's like obviously like a war, you know, D Day, like, yeah, you know, image. But the and then Ken Simu with uh his nemesis with the ribbon, yeah. you, you know what I mean? I don't know what to call so it, great. yeah. And then there's the horses that they have as like the toys that you, I guess, you know, you put between your legs, like the broomstick ones or whatever, <laughs> and the umbrellas twirling as wheels. I mean, this is amazing, okay. This Ken War, the frisbee hitting dolls and they're like falling like they're Ken dolls and then there are other men dancing in the background synchronized on the beach I did not notice that and like and then we have that that line that Ken while he's on the battlefield he says is it a crime when I'm not hot when I'm in my feelings nice. and he <laughs> takes someone's hand and does the wave thing and like kills them yeah. <laughs> and then and then we get to you know he He's saying like, um, I guess he, that's when he get, he meets his nemesis. I thought this was hilarious to do when Ken Simu and Ken Ryan, you know, open their chest and sparkle at each other. Because yes. if you think of any war movie, right? Like in the last fight, right? The last fight sequence, it's always like Mel Gibson and like whoever, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they meet each other on the battlefield. And A it's random like scars guard. Yeah. And, and it's this like moment of like, complete tension and he like Noah and Greta totally take away all the seriousness and this idea of of like approving yourself it like. is 1000% <laughs> liberal arts majors getting to make fun of like self-serious history majors it like is so it's funny. really good it's or really yeah awesome. just like justifying violence right yeah. like it's is so funny and then we have like it's especially funny because it's playing next door to Oppenheimer which is a yeah. movie that half interrogates war so like it's an interesting it it is an interesting movie to be playing right now it's yeah and 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 then we have the moment after the sparkle uh where they transition into like a dream ballet within the dream ballet um and she has obviously like talked about how she looked at like singing in the rain and like an american in paris and oklahoma as these dream ballets but to have a ken ballet and then have a ken ballet within the ken ballet where yeah they go to this like uh, sequence where it's blue and pink, this like cotton candy world, mm-hmm. and they're dressed in all black, like a Gene Kelly or like a Grease, right? Yeah. Obviously, Danny Zuko playing rock, Karate paper, kid, scissors. Yeah. Um, and then there's like just, you know, the the dancers in the background and the like, <laughs> Ken energy. And, and then just all the, the Kens like jump in, in the background, like they're. They're all dancing together. It's beautiful. They roll in to kiss Ryan Gosling on both his cheeks. And and then we have that like breakthrough 
of I'm just Ken and I'm enough and I'm great at doing stuff and like the snaps and this was also besides Sublime my other really like big laugh out loud moment where (laughs) Ryan says I'm just Ken or no my name's Ken he says my name's Ken and they go and so am I (laughs) I I don't know I thought it was so funny and then like put your manly hand in mine I mean guys beautiful stuff Ken Lightning fanny packs like while they're singing about about uh, you know having this resolution from this tough war that they just battled it out on the beach yeah. uh, beautiful and we come back to Malibu Beach and they're in that formation just holding hands beautiful slowly realizing the Barbies have taken back the courts yeah they were supposed to vote that day yep beautiful stuff um and then they obviously like Which, that's how the world worked men go to war <laughs> women take over the, the country <laughs> everyone just holds hands at the end um and then the kens have you know they like ride back on their horses like imaginary horses to the dream house one of the funniest bits a plus the movie, 100%. yeah 100 so hilarious it's so great and then ken like runs inside after the barbies have taken back the world and and this was a really funny line too where he's like don't look at me like crying on the yeah. bed and she's like, it's okay. And he's like, I'm a liberated man. I know that crying's not weak, which I thought was so funny because there's that idea of like understanding the, the like construct of like, it's okay to cry, but still, um, he's right. He's right. Adhering deeply on masculinity. To, yeah, exactly. He <laughs> he's checked a lot work. of books out at the library yeah. and he cries about how the mini fridges are like so small. The freezers of the mini fridges. That was funny. <laughs> um, and then, you know, obviously, like, losing interest about the patriarchy once he knew horses weren't involved. All great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Ken not understanding who he is and, like, leaning in to kiss Barbie. I saw a lot of people also have, like, an issue with this because Barbie kind of apparently, like, um, I guess she does in a, in a certain way. She kind of, like, apologizes. Um, she's like, I'm sorry because it didn't have to be girls' night all the time. But, like, Ken was, like, leaning in to kiss her, even though she like definitely did not um, want any part of that at the beginning. So it is a kind of a conflicting message there, but ultimately like I do understand what Greta was trying to do with this idea of Ken not feeling like he has an identity and, and possibly that being a reason for his insecurities and his reason to like want patriarchy um, as this like source of power. But, um, so, so I thought like their resolution was okay. Like Ken is me, you know, and then everyone yeah. cut to all the men like Ken is me, Ken is me. <laughs> um, and he's like, I look so stupid. And they're like, no, you don't. You look so cool. Um, a lot of, a lot of great moments there. And, and Ken figuring out that he is Kanaf, you know, he is Kanaf. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously like Will Ferrell coming out saying like, you know, it is hard to be a leader. Like, uh, <laughs> And now I can like relieve myself of that existential burden. Go back to the real, very real title of CEO is very funny. And asking Issa Rae again to like call her, call him mother. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Um, Okay. So we have our like resolution with Ken, kind of the ceremonial ending of everyone, you know, America Ferreira's character, Gloria creates ordinary Barbie, like people who are just trying to wear a flattering top and get through the day. And we have Ken's resolution. We already talked about the kind of like weird dialogue of the idea of, you know, 
Ken's being able to have a position in the government, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Barbie and her resolution. What did you think about this ending? I guess this is the last part of our, our podcast here before we go. What did you think about Barbie's ultimate journey, uh, to becoming a real person? Uh, well, uh, well I think the heaven element of the movie, the spirit of Ruth Very Handler, Harry Potter. Totally. That just didn't work for me. I think Gerwig has like so much empathy for Barbie and the generations of girls that played with Barbie um, and that were kind of taken by this construct of Barbie. And I feel like she has an impossible job of both satirizing and paying homage to Barbie like that we've talked about so much in this podcast that the ending of this movie felt too sentimental for me, even though the montage of the crew's family and childhoods on screen with Billie Eilish playing the background. The scene was manufactured for me and also really well shot, like looking at Margaret, closing up on Margaret Robbie's face. That's all really effective. Uh, I just felt like it was, again, almost like the monologue from America Ferrera earlier in the movie. It felt a little bit too crafted for me. And I was a a little checked out. Yeah, like a heavy pen. And I'm an easy cry. As long as <laughs> that now. is very true, yeah. And I don't, I don't think I really, I don't think I cried at this um, in the first watch, and so, and, and definitely not in the second. So I think it was just too the Ruth Handler metaphor uh, of being this like this person who had to, um, uh, who who had to kind of go through the the worst of patriarchy in order for future generations to have more of an opportunity, and so she would build a a, a map, a roadmap for these younger generations of girls in the yeah. future through Barbie, that just like doesn't is not effective for me because of what we know about the IP, what we know about this construct of Barbie and like what it did to our culture realistically. And so like, I just, I didn't love how much. Or just the idea of like representation in our culture too. Yeah. Yes. But I just didn't love how much sympathy and empathy that Gerwig felt like she had to give Barbie at the end of the movie, unless Mattel again had like some kind of say in this, which I have no idea. Yeah. I think, um, this also like I, I felt, uh, maybe a little bit more emotional. My actually my third time watching it. Um, okay. Because there's hope. Yeah. (laughs) Because there's hope. I think it was really the knowing that those were images of the crew, um, Mm -hmm. in that montage where, she like closes her eyes. We have that like really those beautiful shots um, that Greta wanted to kind of emulate the a matter of life um, and death, like the Pressburger and Powell, the changing of light on someone's face. Yeah, uh, I, I thought that was really effective, like going into the like close your eyes, feel. Moment, but you right? but you don't feel like there's something gross about a, a millionaire telling you there's something beautiful about how ordinary life is. Well, wait. So wait. The the, uh, the images were emotional with the song. It it is an emotional song. The it's incredibly well crafted dialogue yeah. from uh, the creator, like Ruth, uh, saying that idea. Well, okay. So wait, wait. I liked the idea that Margot says, like, I don't want to just be an idea. Like I want to be someone who's creating ideas. Um, and I, I like that piece of it. Like Barbie wanting to be creative to access life. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I want to be one of the people who's doing like the making meaning, not someone who is like the, the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like that idea, like Barbie gaining agency. Yeah. Right. Sparkles. Totally. What, what do you think of sparkles? Sparkles. 
but the, the Ruth lines were tough, right? Because it was like, um, people make a Barbie and patriarchy just to deal with how uncomfortable it is to be a human being. And then you die. Like, that's what she said. And I was, I was like, ah, what? <laughs> like I understood, <laughs> I understood what she was saying. She was saying that people make Barbies like she did or, but like they make, uh, you know, constructs. Yeah. Constructs. Yeah. yeah. Get it. But like, it was so simplistic to be like, well, you know, again, this idea of how do you rob the, you know, quote, like quote unquote patriarchy of its power. Um, or the idea that it's just there because men are insecure. And then that's like it, like it was just very, it's obviously very simplistic. And I'm again, like, I'm not trying to hold this movie to the standards of completely diving into everything. It was just like way too broad a brush to end on a really sentimental ending. Like I think it was the Spielberg ending. Yeah, I didn't expect what you did, like Barbie smashing. I know you probably didn't think that was realistic anyway. No, but, but I was, there was a part but, of me that hoped because Greta. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's subversive in other movies and like different parts of them. It's just this, this felt very sentimental. And again, I just feel weird with a billion dollar movies message basically being that you, there, there is romance in, in the mundane. And I think that that's okay in Marcel at the shell with shoes on. Because it's like an indie <laughs> animated film and it's a shell. Uh, but maybe not as I don't give as much benefit of the doubt to this like hundred million dollar film. Well, sure. And if it's and and so like so Greta has talked about how Barbie is an impossible standard for little girls, and she wanted to make sure that um like people ended this Barbie movie with the idea of like you don't need to be extraordinary or perfect to have value, i.e. like Barbie, um, but you can be messy. Um, and you can be imperfect and still have value just as you are. Mm -hmm. That was her overall message. I think if you are deciding to go into the world of making fun of patriarchy and really looking at like gender roles, um, there and, and expectations within that, I think for me too, I need a little bit more to feel satisfied. Not I, I was fine with the ending, yeah. uh, but I need a little bit more personally to feel satisfied with the idea of like, Oh, well, it's beautiful to be messy and it's beautiful to live yeah. because then we're, you know, in, we're encapsulating the idea of messiness also within things like that are yeah. really dark um, and have real world stakes of, you know, issues with like oppression and <laughs> opportunities that women get. So like, you know, obviously like it's a lot to ask for a movie, but I don't think that it's too much to ask for the movie to have a little bit to go a little bit deeper or explore the ideas a little bit more um, than just life is messy. Embrace life because it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough ending, even though I think the, it gets to, you know, do the mic drop joke, the gynecologist thing. Right. So, which is also effective and yeah. smart and uh, actually probably important at the very least. And so that worked. And I think it's really cool to have the needle drop and the credits play and then the cool animation design work as the, as the credits are going, that all really works. So the movie still feels like an event as it's finishing. And I, yeah. I like that. Um, but yeah, it's too bad. There wasn't a full resolution on it, on the themes, or at least I felt like there wasn't Same. fully executed. Like it yeah. could have been, which is why it felt like I was watching a movie that could never have been five stars. So the fact that we gave it four stars, if that means anything to anybody on letterbox, like 
I was just so surprised because I just thought would, this was so difficult to get to do that well, to be that successful. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, like like I said earlier, whether the word's proud or pride or whatever, like I'm just so happy that this kind of movie can be made, though I am really worried for what's about to come uh, because of the success of this Mattel property. Right. Yeah. So. Okay, let's do a quick extra credits. You, um, we already did mine. Okay, so I gave okay. extra credits to the, the Ken War. Ken Ballet, yeah. The Ken Ballet. I think that was uh, just some of the smartest writing of this movie. And I think it is, uh, again, the most transgressive part of this movie that has not been talked about enough. What do you got? My, so uh, mine is also the Ken Ballet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, I wow. okay. love, for people who listen to our La La Land podcast i love dream bellies another three hour amazing yeah Yeah. um but for the sake of us not having the same extra credit which i don't think have we we've done we've it's happened it just i can't it's rare yeah Yeah. um so rare that we have the same extra credit so it speaks highly of the ken do we do extra credits on oppenheimer ballet we might have skipped it i think it was such a long podcast we were going through it Guys, Oppenheimer <laughs> broke us. This was a great three-hour pod. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting your extra credits, but I just wanted to mention that real quick. Oppenheimer broke us, but I feel back after Barbie because this was a really fun episode. And I loved listening to to you break this down um, because it was nice to see. It's it, You get to see me lose my mind on the other side of the table <laughs> in Oppenheimer, and I just got to see you have so much of a good time like unpacking this movie and also doing a great job of it. I... Uh, I, what do you got? What do you got for your extra credit? <laughs> By the way, it's very late guys. Yeah. Uh, here. It's like 1am. Yeah, yeah. So if I, if we made a mistake with words, you know what? You would do it too. Did we it make midnight. sense? I hope so. I hope so. Okay. My, uh, so for the sake of not having the same extra credit as you, even though I love deeply loved the, the Ken ballet and the surprise that that was in the movie, mm-hmm. I think I'll give extra credit to Greta's continual, continual, like, kind of project to look at mother daughter relationships. Um, even though I don't know if it's like fully developed here, I just love the idea of Greta, um, including this idea that she, she has, like I said, in little woman that the daughters like assume things about their mom and the mom says, I'm angry every day of my life. Mm -hmm. I do want to say one thing that I, I didn't, that felt strange that Ruth says, to Barbie at the end of the movie, she says something like that mother stands still so their daughters can see how far they've come. While I totally get that sentiment about the sacrifices that moms make Mm -hmm. like for their daughters to have opportunities that they did not, it just felt like, uh, really simplistic. Um, and I, I just forgot to say that. So I wanted to say that I didn't mean to be negative again, but, um, I just thought that was like, a strange line that felt like it sounded good. Um, yeah, but I, I do like that. She continuously is looking at this relationship with like in lady bird. Um, and the, the just like messy, realistic, like relationships, but really important and unique relationships between mothers and daughters. Yeah. Uh, so I want to give extra credit to Greta. Also, you know what? Actually, I want to give extra credit to how funny this is. I actually, I think that's three extra credits I love it. and Noah write funny scripts, but not joke funny scripts, right? Like it's the situation it's the that creates humor. They make, yeah. It's the awkwardness that creates humor. Um, but they wrote heavy hitting jokes Yeah, that were really funny. 
they the, are and the ones hilarious. that didn't like land the reason it felt like they didn't land is because other ones were so strong i genuinely thought this was like really a funny movie yeah me too i hope that they do a uh, director's commentary on this together i would yeah. love to hear them but i mean i probably should just say i'd love to just hear greta but i think both of them together would be really well, funny it'd be fascinating to hear who wrote which wrote ones, element. especially like i love like i kind of hope they never tell us though I don't think they will. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. them. I would just keep that secret. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was it. Three <laughs> hours uh, extra credits for Barbie. I genuinely did not think we were going to talk that long about Barbie, but I'm glad we did. I was planning on this being an hour. Yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Um, the last Epic. thing that I want to tell listeners, I was going to say viewers, uh, listeners out there is that during this press tour, Kate McKinnon said that her dream role is Willy Wonka. And Whoa. Greta said you should fight Timmy for it. Whoa. <laughs> Would Kate McKinnon beat up Timothy Chalamet? She said that she wouldn't want to hurt his little face. Damn. <laughs> Kate McKinnon would... <laughs> Look at us. We're being sexist. Kate McKinnon would wreck Timothy Chalamet. Wreck Timothy Chalamet. Um, He's so okay. small. Uh, I'm excited for Willy Wonka. I am. I'm like the only person not- <laughs> into that trailer. Apparently. I. It's not that I'm not excited. Um, I'll see it. I love Timmy and I will support him in everything that he does. It or just God and feels like Polar Express. Perfect. That's all I want. <laughs> a uh, holiday movie. Okay, let's get the hell out of here. Please rate and review us uh, because we just did a three-hour podcast on Barbie. We'll be back soon with Theater Camp. This has been Trey. And this is Kelsey. Peace. Bye, Barbie. Bye. Barbie. Bye, Alan. Alan Masters, too. All of the Barbies is pretty. All of the Barbies is bad. It girls. And we ain't playing tag.